again at the station of decapitation without your head i'm nasty neil that would make me terrible troy mm-hmm. uh, annabelle cannot be here tonight and she's she is sorry but she is, was looking forward to talking to everybody and we're joined by the fine fellows who made a lot of cool stuff attack of the killer refrigerator the hook of woodland heights uh days before christmas which i'm interested in uh mark Vo. Mm. How are you, gentlemen? Thank you for having us on tonight. Yes, thank you for doing it. And Michael Savino. Yes. Hi. Whoa. Thanks for having us. Media house films. Oh, for a long time. <laughs> yeah, very cool. So, uh, first of all, uh, 1985, you guys began to work on uh, Attack of the Killer Refrigerator? Yeah. Yeah, it was about, about it. Right? A little bit before then, right, Marcus? Because I... A little bit before then and yeah because we made it for the tv station while we were in college so it'd probably be in the 84 range 84 range yeah because by 85 i was producing local cable ads uh, <laughs> on the so it was before then uh probably in the 80 late 83 or or the fall of 83 i think we were trying to id that one time but yeah, definitely before 85. But, yeah, we were just doing it, shooting video, making content for the local, well, for the college TV station. And um, Mark and I have an apartment together. And it was our first apartment, my first apartment. I think, was that your first apartment? Yeah, my very first as well, yeah. Absolutely. And we just turned it into a TV studio uh, using equipment that I I had. Um, I had a two-piece yep. camera. I think it was a, I think it was a RCA camera. It was about this, you know, it was pretty big at the time. You've probably seen pictures and then tethered off to a deck that had a gargantuan battery mm-hmm. that I think lasted maybe 40 minutes. Tough. We yeah, old school. We, we had a, with, uh, you know, had an audio production studio in my bedroom, which was an old PV board with blind man's knobs, six channel. Uh, so that, that's how archaic. I mean, it was shortly after Marconi invented the radio. You know what I mean? That's <laughs> now, um, but we had a lot of fun. So what you could do with your phone, and Michael and I always talk about this. What you could do with this is so much more than what you could do with what we had. But the concept and the thrill of create creating content, um, you know, remains the same, so to speak. Yeah. So, um, mm-hmm. this is all way before the internet. So, uh, what kind of background did you guys both have in, like, in for editing, for the audio, for, uh, for filming? I'll start with the audio and then Michael, I'll do the audio portion and Michael can do the video portion. So for audio, for the soundtrack of the entire piece is, um, a, a, really what it is, is a bunch of records being spun backwards at ridiculous pitches on turntables. <laughs> And it was rigged up to go through an old uh, eighth inch uh, uh, or quarter inch, I'm sorry, uh, reel to reel deck. 
And if you put the deck in record and pause and then sent it back through the board, you'd get this crazy kind of guitar pedal echo sustain on just about anything you ran through. And you could control it with the pots on the, on the board. So that's how we did that. And it was all dubbed down to uh, a really reel-to-reel -reel tape at the time. So open reel. And uh, that's how we did it. it just layers and layers and layers of sound. If, if we used that, we called it gloom music, actually, because it was very gloomy, you know. Something came up with one day. That the we actually radio. shot a video based on this gloom music that Mark created. Um, and it was pretty uh, – we, we shot graveyard. We shot a lot of graveyards. We shot graveyards on fire, graveyards with smoke bombs, and uh, – our uh, our advisor at the time was very upset. Very upset with us um, that we aired this on the, the TV fire, channel. Yeah. Well, it was Easter. I think that might have had something to do with it. Too. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we didn't really take that into consideration yeah, yeah. of the uh, programming schedule. So we just thought it looked cool. We thought it looked cool. That the music felt cool. That's what Mark yeah, created. Yeah. This crazy music. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But on the on the video side of it, it, you know, the killer refrigerator was done, you know, really for the channel that we, the, you know, the TV channel for the school. Um, I also used it for a project for my editing class because back then we did have editing in college, and we were using, um, well, we were using VHS. Uh, JVC system, you know, where it's basically a cuts-only system. Um, there were no graphics whatsoever uh, to be inlaid or inserted at the time. Um, back then, you had to have a lot of expensive equipment to keep the time of the video, and we called it control track. And if you broke that, your video kind of flickered, and you might see that a lot. In, well, you see that, I tell you when you see that, you see that in the original killer refrigerator because that was done with a basically a, you know, a deck to deck type of cutting. Um, it wasn't, it was kind of difficult at the time. Uh, so we had this system, you know, and we would take, we had the audio basically from a microphone on the camera. And what we did was we recorded that with some of Mark's music and we would drop it off to a tape and then we would take that tape cue it up with the master and bring that on and add more sound effects so it was like called ping-ponging audio back in the day so you basically dropped it from one channel to the next and as you did that you were able to add some tracks so you know we added some of mark's music we would add some of the slams we would add some of the screams we would add um, some of the the little hits on the effect and it was very rudimentary at the time uh, or you know and in college that was you know a little bit ahead of its time there but considering what we can do today it was basic you know basic were, were you audio. guys going to school to become filmmakers or? yep well okay. communications yeah. majors yeah and we yeah, basically followed that career mark and i kept going with it mark was on radio for how many years yeah. Mark? almost 30. So 30 guys, years. Well, that's right. Yeah. When you start making refrigerator, what's the idea like uh, to do with it? Like, are we just going to do this for fun? Or yeah. you know, once you start doing it for a while, like, hey, let's try to, you know, get this out somewhere. No, it was just for fun. We never thought we'd talk, be talking about this right now. Um, yeah. it, it's still 
perplexes me, as you can tell by the expressions on my face. I am still perplexed. <laughs> I don't. I, I just. I don't understand because if you really think about it, we spent twenty five dollars complete uh, cash out of pocket to make it. Um, not including tape, stock, and time is how we always put it, of course. However, we spent literally twenty five dollars on smoke bombs that Michael picked up in Virginia. Caro syrup. <laughs> And food coloring and the that that whole thing and and we put it together we said oh this is going to be funny attack of the killer refrigerator the stories that you might have heard gentlemen are true we were literally sitting there because we used to shoot on this half inch stuff on this vhs anything moldy bread you know uh, we'd set up some scenes we just whatever whatever caught our interest so the killer refrigerator is actually a frankenstein production made up from scenes from other movies with the killer refrigerator scenes sewn in to make somewhat of a story we didn't really write it out we made it up as we went along we're going to show it in the in the in in, in the, on the college tv station and have a premiere at the college bar uh they don't have bars in colleges anymore but they did when we went to school and we were all going to have our friends in it and uh, blah 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 and that was going to be it and uh a few laughs and create Look, another one yeah that's exactly right and then we entered a contest in minneapolis minnesota called the argus national video awards in 1985 and we won worst video of the year and 60 bucks and uh, a tape of all the other entries we won. And it was great. So then that leaked to the press a little bit. We got some local press coverage and we got some regional press coverage. And then the next thing you know, um, we're putting it in video stores in central Massachusetts, where we're from, pretty much within that area. Michael worked at a video store, you know, moonlighted at a video store when we were in school. So we got it in that one. And then the next thing you know, more video stores wanted it. And the next thing you know, Michael runs into Michael Scholl of Donna Michelle in uh, Las Vegas in 1989 at the VSDA show. He shows interest in both The Hook, because The Hook was done at this time, and The Refrigerator and put it out on his label, which is Donna oh. Michelle. And um, and a year later, I flew out to Vegas for the launch. And um, the rest, as they say, is is somewhat history. For a $25 film, it's uh, Watch Mojo ranks it at number seven of the most killer inanimate objects in the movies, you know. Nice. He's a fan of, of killer inanimate objects. Yeah, yep. I'll just say that because yep. you're here. I mentioned this in the show. So. No, it's weird how that happens. Variety reviewed it, for crying out loud. There's an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. When it came out on the VHS version of Donna Michelle, their version, Variety reviewed it. And there's, hmm. a, I can't, Michael, do you remember the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie? It was the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie that they spent how many millions on? And our film right next to it for 25 bucks. And, but they're still talking about it. So it's kind of taken on a life of its own. Then when the internet came into play, it just propelled it. So it's a perpetual um thing with with the killer refrigerator along those lines like so uh so when the internet comes along and people start talking about it again like obviously it's still on your mind because like you guys made it when you, you you're younger and stuff but did you did you kind of forget about like people like finding it by then it was no. gone yeah I, it was gone and, and you know the minute we got out of college mark and i started doing other things we started writing snapper and then we wrote this project um called tainted love and then we wrote another one called megahertz and we have another one amfm so we just kept writing and like i said mark's been in radio i produce tv commercials and corporate video uh, i've been doing it since i walked out of college to today you know uh we we keep writing, we keep uh, putting the films. And now that 
my family is grown and moving on. You know what I mean? I have a lot more time to devote towards projects that I love. And Mark and I have a incredible script for Attack of the Killer Refrigerator 2. Nice. Uh, yeah. So we've we've done a lot since then. You know, we made Days Before Christmas, you know. Um, never in my wildest dreams that I think the killer refrigerator was going to go beyond the Donna Michelle at this point. <laughs> well, and then, right. and then, you know, because we really didn't, you know, promote it at all. It wasn't until television came around and Brad Henderson, um, kind of over many years kind of talked yeah. us into it, yeah. you know, and because you know you look it's okay it's not you know it's not a spielberg production it never was and if you read the review in variety you know it, it's not the greatest review but you know it was better than i think they, they beat <laughs> yeah, Schwarzenegger, they beat on worse you know it's like, that's even better you know so yeah. to have it go where it's been it, it's it's been great um it, it's definitely been fun to talk about and to hear comments, you know? Yeah. Um, we, every time we, we, you search the internet, there's a new review uh, for a while there. When the internet first came out, I got kind of bothered because they were treating it like the movie just came out and I was the worst director ever. <laughs> and, um, and I remember that Marcus used to say to you, but now, you know, that was back in what, like not in the early nineties when the internet was coming out and it started to again bring this life of it together you know it was fun it's a fun little movie it really is i look at it now and i'm like oh yeah i can see all the mistakes but you know one take on many of them and you know the refrigerator was not a prop we used it that night to put our yeah, right. <laughs> Which you can tell that's um you know practical stuff uh even even bad practical effects have a charm to them, where oh, I think yeah. you know uh, bad uh, CG just looks bad. Yeah. Well, you know, Neil, it's funny you bring that up because we did learn this was later later years that uh, Tom Savini used the VHS as a teaching tool when he was teaching special effects. You know, he's got oh, wow. that school in Pennsylvania, yeah. and yeah. we found that out from uh, Michael uh, wandering into a store one day, and some guy go, "Hey, you know, recognized him, you know, and it's a killer refrigerator." And, <laughs> this, that, and he goes, "How'd you know?" He goes, oh, "Tom Savini used the killer refrigerator as a teaching tool when I wow." So when that stuff happened, well, and there were other things too. Um, you know, at, at the 1990 VSDA, or when it came out, uh, Linnea Quigley was sitting at our booth, you know, with Attack of the Killer Refrigerator stuff uh, displaying that. And Elvira yeah. as well was around the corner. And it was just weird awesome. to see Elvira with yeah. Attack of the So it's, it's a cute yeah. little movie. But it, it, what it's done is, because we didn't have a script, because we kind of Frankensteined it together with things from other projects we were working on or just shooting for the hell of it, um, we got really into screenwriting. We realized how screenwriting changes the game. And, and, we, and we still practice. Every day we practice screenwriting. And it, we really absorbed that. And we were really inspired by a writer by the name of Mylon Stitt in college. Kind of got us thinking along the way of, you know, maybe instead of just putting some scenes together and making a story, actually write the story. And we really, really take pride in the stories that we write in a screenplay format uh, because screenplays are everything in, a, in film production. It's the most important thing in film production, really, if you come mm -hmm. down to it. So mm -hmm. um, 
That's why we're we're really jacked up about Attack of the Killer Refrigerator too, because we take that that uh, campiness of Attack of the Killer Refrigerator, the first one, we do seed it with it, but it does turn into a more of a traditional horror movie. Um, mm. I would say the second uh, you know major plot point <laughs> going through it. So the last a 40 to 30 to 40 minutes 45 minutes of it finishes off as a more of a traditional horror movie without giving too much away rather than just being a campy and we unplug it from the wall but a lot of those thought processes of the reason why the fridge could do that is carried over into attack two i love the graphics that i've seen on your website for it and i have the i have the little uh trailer here uh the teaser if you would like me to play it sure go ahead you go right that'd be great yeah Honestly, that has me very interested. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. As it's, a, it's a. I was just saying real quick, it's a good time, too, because uh, now there's a lot of people who have a fondness. They grew up in the 80s and, and the 90s. And we also see a lot of uh, sequels, you know, to, uh, to previous movies, even if they're decades later. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we can guarantee that if you like the first one, you will love the second one. Um, and just the characters that we've developed in it, the storyline, uh, it just all makes sense for a horror movie. It's kind of weird. There aren't really any holes, you know, we've been working yeah. on it for a long time too. So, and of course we leave it open to your imagination and, um, but the refrigerator takes on a shocking personality that you're just not going to see coming. Yeah, and that was very important to us to accomplish that because if you look at all your traditional, like the high budget or, well, the low budget and high return, Friday the 13th franchise, you can go all the way down, Nightmare on Elm Street, whatever, uh, Jaws even would fit into this mold. And we looked at those movies and we really realized that the um, antagonist, you know, the, the, the monster in those movies really never has a character arc change. You know, I mean, Freddy's going to be Freddy and does what Freddy does. And he's great. Jason never utters a word. Michael Myers, the same thing. The shark in Jaws, you know, just like Richard Driver said in the movie, it swims, it eats, it makes baby sharks. That's all they do. So it's never going to have a range of change. The actions are a different thing. So it was important for Michael and I to come up for a really plausible, it had to be plausible, range of change for the refrigerator. And, um... Uh, we definitely we, we nailed it. I think <laughs> you're not going to see it. Coming. Yeah, you know we won't see it coming. And then so, go on, sorry. it takes on a whole new uh, direction in the movie. Yeah. So what what are the uh, what what are the plans right now to uh, do crowdfunding to uh, you know try to get this off the ground? 
Well, the crowdfunding, we did have a Kickstarter campaign. Our goal was lofty. Um, you know, to, to really do a horror movie to a level where people are going to enjoy it and to make sure you don't abuse people as well. Like a lot of the people that we use in our crews are actual professionals. I mean, this is what they do day in, day out. They pay their bills this way, you know, their car payments, their insurance, the whole bit. So, you know, we put together our budget of what it would take and it came out to, you know, like two, about 2 million, you know, yeah. so it's pretty pricey. This is like a 45 day shoot with many different fridges, not necessarily one, you know, in order to have the head exploding and the chomping and the body parts being queued uh, up, spit out, uh, all the effects that our fans want to see. It takes time. It takes money. It takes talent. We have a great talented crew standing by in the wings. So currently... We are looking for people who are interested in being individual investors and coming on board and being part of the project and also reaping the rewards of being a part of the project. You know, uh, the Kickstarter thing was great, got a lot of notoriety. Um, but I think, the again, the goal was very lofty. Yeah. So we're back to more traditional. We're searching out different areas. We have some things in play. Um, you know, with a, with a project like this, it's been around, um, we would, again, we wouldn't be talking about this if the interest wasn't there, but we've certainly gauged the interest with a 15 minute original film. And this is, uh, this new film, is, you know, your traditional hour and 90 minutes, you know, hour and a half. Um, so, uh, we're, we're hopeful that people will realize that there is an interest in this. And for the short film, the original one to be expanded into a feature film is definitely going to be uh, make some waves in the horror community, too. Oh, definitely. No, it, people will not be disappointed. So if there are viewers out there that have a cash windfall and want to get a part of a cool project, yeah. reach out to Neil. And he'll get in contact with us. Sure. Or yeah. and you can go website? to MediaHouseFilms.com. A... Oh, yeah. You can go there. Go. Yeah. Just drop us an email. We respond quickly. We're, we're thrilled. We love the project. I mean, we, we, we really do. I mean, the whole thing is pretty much storyboarded. I have the budget. You know, my first goal was after the Kickstarter campaign didn't reach its goal. I was like, let's shoot it for $10,000 a day. And then you start to add up scenes that are a little bit more complex. You know, we have a couple that have require a bunch of extras and uh, multi days. And again, many, many kills that you know, require money to that, create, you know, this is not going to be a, you know, let's grab a couple sandwich bags and yeah. put it into her arm. You know, um, the audience has begotten, has become more sophisticated. Uh, we're still trying to do it all in the eighties. You know, we really want to, uh, to do it in the eighties as well in the 80s yeah. style. So we're trying to do I, few digital effects as possible, yeah. but you know, Fun. You know, I think, uh, you know, a lot of the digital effects uh, for the uh, the best way is you don't notice that they're digital and to cover up certain things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We'll probably use if some hands and other things. And that's all. Good. Yeah. I, you know, we have a couple scenes where, you know, this beautiful Victorian mansion as the refrigerator is taking over this party scene, the mansion just deteriorates and 
you know, we're we're probably going to use a lot of mats, you know, digital mats, like in the old days, you know, where you make things look older and, and more destroyed <laughs> without actually really destroying them, you know, right. um, because I don't think they'd be pretty happy with us at that point. <laughs> um, and then yeah, we, have other scenes. we do have we do have two studio scenes in the movie that we have to shoot in the studio. There's no way around it. Um, they're just too intricate too involved um and we cut it back i mean we our original script well how was it mark 138 pages 138 <laughs> you know it was going to be like the epic it was going to be longer than the titanic was you know when uh they, that came out in the theaters but you know we but you know what you know what it is and that was more of a you always just write right 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 and then you start cutting back but you know, it's hard. It's like losing a family member. Some of these scenes when you have to cut them, but it just really comes down to cost. That's what everything does. And time. And we have, we just, you know, when Michael and I write, we just, it just, it's like an osmosis thing. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but we're thinking the same thing. It comes out. There's like this connection, boom, 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 boom. Let's do this. We have some great stuff. And, you know, the ideas just flow. So you write them down and then you edit down later, you know, but we've got the script down to a very cohesive, uh, you know, I think it's uh, 96 pages now. Um, and it, yeah, it might be. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, well. I think it's 107, right? Is it 107 now? It might be. Yeah. But we just are, we just we just had interest on another film. Uh, we we submit, uh, somebody inquired about our project called Megahertz. And yeah. that one's only 88 pages. And it's so far, so good. You know, it's a great little read. A little project. I just reread it when they were, you know, out of the blue. Hey, we want to hear about your computer movie. So it's uh, that we we got recommended to put it into some contests and yeah. uh, saying that it's a really good script. And that one's a crazy one. Totally not horror. Just uh, oh, okay. the the storyline is an outcast computer learns about forgiveness after saving the network from the evil warrior virus. So that's well, like the like that. Yeah, that's very topical today with all the yeah. AI out there. So. Oh, it's, it's yeah. We wrote that one back about twenty-five <laughs> years ago too. So oh wow, yeah, and it's still all the rage, right? Well, the funny thing is, nobody has done it since or yet. You know, yeah. since we wrote it way back when. You know, I reread it, and I I was telling Mark it's probably one of our best. Besides the Killer Fridge too, it's definitely. Our best, uh, some of our best work, I think. Yeah, as but always, you know, we have Snapper too. We want to get Snapper done. We love yeah. that story, you know. Oh, Snapper. Uh, oh, yeah, talk about quick things here. I am Mr. Roach, says I'm very excited. Uh, Pepe Potit, that's cool of Tom Savini. Yeah. That was from earlier. Colleen the Conqueror, oh man, I'm excited to see this. Yeah. And uh, Pepe, I love the genre of inanimate murder. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, that's definitely a cool tell, thing. Tell everybody, check out the Watch Mojo list. Top 10 killer inanimate objects. It's yeah. funny, too, because you got Night at the Museum that precedes us at number six, and then all of a sudden we pop up at number seven, so you go from a multi-million dollar set <laughs> to a killer refrigerator, and they gave us more airtime than they did <laughs> with the other one, because I don't know if they still believe that it exists or not. I'm not, I'm not quite sure, but it's funny. It's different, you know, as you notice with the new... Uh, version of the fridge now we have teeth right yeah and, i love uh, it those are done by Honestly, a, uh, <laughs> our mechanical special effects guru brandon paquin and um 
he 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 came up with the teeth and it, the fridge will be able to do a lot of other things into rather than just chop on you it has some weaponry that's built yeah. into it and uh it's all a food related ammo and it's it's very cool you know um but like i said it does go from that campiness to more of a traditional horror and uh you, you know the turn really comes very similar to days before christmas first time she goes in the mall nice and bright it's christmas time second time she goes in the mall it's still christmas time but now it's the bad part of christmas the mall's not as uh, brightly lit we did that on a, on purpose you know and um so we kind of took that that story model idea and then kind of instituted it with killer fridge too so you learn though that this is what comes from learning from screenwriting every day and if you want to write you got to do it every day and it's a lifetime commitment there were times michael and i go yeah you know it's like uh how many times know, can we change the script is what the wife says. it's like okay we'll do this <laughs> But if you want to, if you're serious about screenwriting and it's well known, it's a lifetime commitment. Okay. And I keep reminding him that Colonel Sanders didn't sell his first Kentucky Fried Chicken franchise until Colonel Sanders was 66 years old. So we still have a little uh -huh. bit more time, <laughs> but not a lot. So we want to get it done and we're doing everything we can. And, and having you guys having us on today is a big help to us because it gets word out a little bit more, you know, the more doors oh, yeah. you knock on, you know, we appreciate yeah. it and keeping the genre alive with, and I was going to, I was oh, going to mention, I love your logo. I, I love, we, we design all our own logos, oh, but I love your logo, man. Oh, thank That's you. Yeah. I design oh, the logos here too. Troy does a yeah. lot of the pen and ink art for some of our caricatures. So. Yeah. Luckily, Michael and I are both, we have a graphic design background that kind of just filtered into oh, our lives. Perfect. So we both do it. And that's all, all that stuff that you saw on the website was all put together by us. You know, that's another thing, you know, oh, we love no, doing it, awesome. but, 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 yeah, um, it's, uh, you know, I'd, I'd rather, you know, sometimes I'd rather be pitching, you know what I mean? So we're working on that. <laughs> it's, it's a unique, enough, a unique enough of a project, excuse me, that, that it will, uh, I think it'll draw some interest because you just got to see it. Like, you know, Holy Grail was made by John Cleese approaching George Harrison. And when George Harrison funded the movie, because he was the executive producer on Holy Grail, John asked him why he, he gave the money over. And George said, I wanted to see the movie. You know, he read the script. He wanted to see the movie. <laughs> so, you know, maybe, but we'll, uh, can't really blame we'll him on that. No, no, not at all, but we'll work it out. We'll work it out. Um, you know, we're confident that we'll work it out and, uh, we want to bring it because, it's it's a really cool story and it's a different experience you know you mentioned snapper two now yeah. would you call it snapper two or would you just call it snapper since the, the original script called snapper never quite finished yeah we yeah, used we, the original we, script yeah yeah, yeah. yeah we've actually we've actually revisited oh. that one since the movie since john's yes. documentary came Which out i highly recommend i got to uh, see it um i thought it was great it's a it's a great documentary. People don't know about your unfinished movie about a, a giant snapper turtle, which that alone is great. But it, I also thought it's got it's nice watching because you really see your friendship over like decades, and uh, there's a lot of heart to the documentary. Yeah, and well, he first approached us, and we didn't know what he was going to do with it because we didn't have we had the footage, but we didn't have a movie, you know. And that's what we shot on sixteen millimeter too. That's where we started shooting on film. Which is one of the reasons why Gaze is shot. Gaze is also shot on 16 millimeter. But John came up and said, hey, I want to do this documentary. Him and David Bigelow kind of heading up that. And it's like, all right, here's the footage. Do what you're going to do. But I, I don't know what you're going to do because there's really no story there. But he didn't see it like we saw it. It's hard to see the forest through the trees when it's, 
you know, yeah. on the backside, the flip side, he saw something there. And uh, I did very well at the festivals. And, um, you know, again, uh, we're, we're happy to do that. But Snappers, we're pretty proud of Snapper, too. Um, and I can't tell you how many people said, damn, I was going to do it. And this is not a, a, a Japanese Godzilla size snapping yeah, turtle. Right, right, right. It's, it's bigger than most, you know, you know, take, take your fingers off and more. Uh, but it, it was kind of, it's a fun little jaws like story. Uh, same kind of deal, this thing, except the difference is, um, is that a snapping turtle can kill on land too, can it? And in the water. So that's what messes everybody up. So yeah, I'll leave it at that. But yeah, we're psyched, and and we did a lot of work for Snapper. Again, shoot the footage for for a, a trailer, dub the trailer down to VHS, typewrite a letter to whoever studio it was going to, put it in the mail, hope for the best, and never heard back from anybody. Thirty years goes by, and John hears about it and starts going nuts, which is great for us. So we owe a lot to John. You know, we love John and. He's just an amazing documentary filmmaker, all the stuff he's done with it. Yeah, and it's funny. I had him on the show a few years ago. I had met him at Rock and Shock and, and, and um, I think Boston Underground Film Festival. And um, so it was a few years ago, and he was just talking about Snapper. He was on for a Jaws project he had coming out, and he mm -hmm. said the next thing he was working on was the Snapper film. And uh, I was like, oh, that's a cool idea. And then I actually didn't put him together that it was you guys until we set up this interview. It's so uh, like, oh, John. Oh, really? Yeah. That's so it's it a cool coincidence. Yeah. yeah, very cool. No, Snapper was a fun project. We thought that by producing a trailer, having something visual that somebody could see mm. would aid in selling the script. And yeah. um, and we had fun doing it. I mean, we came up with some, again, some little cool special effects. We had, Honestly, you know, the, are great. Yeah, the little turtles made. We had the... The big turtle, the small turtle. We even yeah. had little mini promo turtles that we yeah. sent with the tapes. Um, the trailer was edited. I, I can tell you exactly when I looked at the trailer, I wasn't overly happy because we didn't have a lot of we didn't have a lot of room. I mean, we couldn't zoom into the into the footage. So when you got footage, and some of the footage had leaks on the side, so you'd see red bars on the side. I may have put some of that in our documentary called Defrosted. It's on our Blu-ray DVD. Um, but you'll see that, you know, there, I, I can't, there was a term for it. I can't remember it now. But, you know, we had a lot of footage that was, like, light leaked. And, um, and, or we bought bad stock because we used yeah. to buy the cheap stock, you know, the short ends and, the, you know, the partial reels and anything that was just cheap enough that we could afford because we were shooting uh, a lot of 16 millimeter. Um, so there was a lot of disappointment on my end being the director and the editor going, okay, I can't zoom in on this. So there's really no way for me to get beyond it. I had to do it back in the transfer, which I had him do on many occasions. He would cut it out, but there were times in there when you just want to have a little bit more and, um, we could do that all digitally now, you know, uh, but it was fun. It was a fun project. It was great to work with a film camera. Um, mm -hmm. It was great to work with a bunch of people who are all just striving to get one goal, which was to get that scene done for the night or the day that we were shooting. You know, some of that stuff was shot in, in literally early October. And I had one of our guys in the water. He said, I'll go yeah. in. 
Wow. And I'm like, wow. Oh, okay. I know people. Oh, yeah, Eric Jasmine. He Eric Jasmine. And, but that footage, that 16-millimeter footage held up so well because we hadn't looked at it until the documentary came back out. Right. So we saw some, I'm trying to think. I can't remember if we saw rough cuts, but we have how well it held up. You know, it was just amazing. But that's what we love about filmmaking. It's such a collaborative effort on so there's no other art form like it, right? You've got all these people striving, like Michael said, to get this one shot done. Um, and sometimes it can take days oh, days before Christmas is a great example. We need a mall that was full with people packed for Christmas. Thirteen malls turned us down and told the mall that let us shoot it in, let us shoot it in it, but they didn't have any foot traffic. So we had to create that. And we did it by calling up the schools in the area, having them posted on their end of the day PA announcements. And I think we took a small ad out in the Quincy Ledger or something, a, a town just outside of Boston. And um, we were able to pack them all. And, and so we, we were used to working with a lot of people. And we're going to need that for Attack of the Killer Refrigerator, too. <laughs> Well, we're the talking New England crap. people like uh, Troy and I. So when I was watching the documentary, and you mentioned Jerry Ellis from Building 19, that put a big smile. Yeah. On oh yeah. Said, <laughs> I miss uh, Building 19. I was a big fan of. Uh, of They're now he called the Always. Oh yeah. The the always, and they still have the same artwork. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah we were told it was, it was the Harbor Lights Mall in Weymouth at the time. And we like we, we we were in front of people. We pitched a bunch of malls. Like third, it was like thirteen malls. It said no because wow. the content of the movie. So then we started saying, "Well, we're not going to tell them everything now. <laughs> we're not going to tell them that what what the content of the movie is." And ironically, and I don't want to give anything away for anybody who hasn't seen it yet. Uh, Days before Christmas, uh, there there isn't even. I'm just, it won the Houston International Film Festival, but there's not even a drop of blood in it. You know what I mean? But it's wow. the thought. It's more of a Hitchcockian style story, um, more of a thriller, uh, but still very cool and kind of eerie and scary in some parts, you know, in 10 minutes. We needed 10 minutes because it was originally meant for HBO as a bumper between feature films oh. back in the day. And yeah, we, we, we the So that was, and, and they went on to win the Houston International Film Festival in 1992. And uh, we flew down to Houston, and we got an award from Martin Landau. There you go. So then we oh, we wow. had a great time. Yeah, that's gonna be. Pretty I believe it is the fifty-first yeah. year this year of the Houston International Film Festival. The fiftieth wow. year, I think fifty fifty-one years they've been doing it. So like you know, a quarter of a century ago we were there. It was a fun and, time. Uh, yeah. I, I highly recommend that. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great festival. Houston is World Fest Houston. So we want to keep doing that and just using ideas and seeing where we could take them and. Oh, and, yeah. uh, you know, continuing on. And TerraVision has been great. If you want a copy of the Blu-ray, terror-vision.com. And uh, it's it's up there now. Yeah, it's a special coming. limited edition slipcover. I know I know. there's a couple on your way, or one of them is on, on <laughs> heading toward your guys pretty soon. So. But there's a lot of cool stuff on there. We did um, back, when was it, Marcus? We put out a DVD. I think it was oh, God. because... I don't even know. Probably because I learned how to make DVDs. Okay. And I to program, you know, yeah. went that stage of you know, I'm going to learn how to make DVDs for my clients, and it has some really intricate programming. I can tell you that much. And there's some yeah. uh, montages of scenes, and I did a whole bunch of cool stuff on that DVD. But Mark and I recorded these really cool, and I heard one reviewer say, "Never before seen how." We uh, put the, the movie 
in front, like a picture in picture. And Mark and I are in the back watching it with you. And we talk about how we right. got things done. And um, oh. it's really kind of cool. It's like a director's commentary. Um, and you could tell we're burnt out by the third one. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> you know, but it's it's fun and we give some really cool information uh in there some stuff that i forgot that we about the productions and you know about what happened with the specific scenes you know like i said the killer refrigerator was like mark was saying you know pulled together from many different things and you know the hook was definitely more professional where we had storyboards we had script we had a shooting schedule uh, but we didn't have a consistent crew. We had a couple of consistent people, but most of the time we were, you know, having new people all the time. And and um, everybody says to me, well, why don't you just shoot the, the fridge too that way? And it's very difficult when you get new people all the time because you got to teach them their task and, you know, teach them what's going on with, you know, how the crew's working. So another reason why it costs so much money because you want that, you know, crew to be kind of... Uh, you know, familiar with each other. So absolutely, it's got a lot of fun stuff on it. There's the original killer refrigerator, which is only about 22 seconds long. Yeah, and this, TV is, yeah, we used to use this as a bumper between programming on the TV station. So we'd play a, a music video tape. Then we would hit our, you know, we'd have our PSAs about smoking <laughs> and, you know, you usually was smoking dog, uh, taking care of your dogs and animals and, you know, from the MSPCA or whatever oh, yeah. it was back then in the day, you know, we used to get free tapes from people and we used to use some of them and we would play some of those and then we would uh, go into another movie or something else that we've created. You know, there are a lot of other things we've created and they're only shorts, you know, and they're more related towards the college at the time. Like, you know, we talked about the president of the college and we talked about people that we would, you know, be in our media house. And um, we did a we did a short about throwing knives into a door one day and somebody opens <laughs> it up and gets them in yeah, the throat. That's a Whatever. That's a, it was just yeah, it was content. And Anything you know we thought of that day, yeah. we created it, edited it, and ran it. I mean, it was that's that's basically what it was, you know. And for the life of me, I we we do not know where we used to put everything onto VHS tapes in our studio. Yeah. And when everybody graduated, all tapes started to disappear. And. Uh, we some of them we don't have you know like we had a toga party i can't find uh anything from the toga party because we used to play it on our air you know like i said i used to record parties people would watch themselves being uh, right uh, and, and now you do it with this you know <laughs> and i guarantee oh, you yeah. 99% of the people who do it like this wouldn't put up with it the way we had to do it because of the technology yeah. I guarantee you that. You but, know, it's but so you're cool. right, Mark. It's the same thing as using your phone, exactly. you know, at the party, you know, but we would do it for hours, you know. And that's how, you know, if you see in the Killer Refrigerator original movie, um, he, Scott Parent calls it the Killer Refrigerator because that's what we called it, you know, um, even before the movie was made. Uh, right. When we had it in bumper land, we called it. I mean, we used to do crazy things, you know. We had this humongous three that was left to us by 
um, another class, you know, as we came in. So that we, we acquired all of their things. So they made this big three and they used to carry it around campus. Well, we used to hang it from, from various places in campus. We'd throw it up a building with a noose and it would just hang there. And, it was like uh, a tag you could remove. Yeah. You're watching Channel 3, you know. That's how, yeah, that's how it You hear of SCTV, not that we're comparing ourselves to SCTV or the Canadian, you know, how everybody started and like that 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 whole group of people that went through that program and others like it you know that this was this was our indoctrination to something like that you know but we created everything that we did because we just wanted to you know that creativity well, we had no budget too oh yeah and we had to create it either that yeah. you're going to watch the police in concert tape 15 times in a row because that's all <laughs> we would have <laughs> which was a great concert tape I it was a great show <laughs> we had a police around police around the world yeah, that's right and then and it, it was, was duran duran's uh that hungry like the no the, the rio what was it rio, what rio. Was that? rio. Yeah. hungry yeah. like the wolf rio, yeah. all of that yeah <laughs> troy could sing it for us but i won't put ah. Uh, no, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys go to any uh, any of the festival screenings of um, of the documentary for Snap? Yeah, yeah, yeah we yeah. went to the. Which one do we go to, Mark? The one in South uh, Sturbridge. That one, Sturbridge. Oh, uh, also Salem. Uh, went out to Salem Mark for that. Salem. Yeah, yeah. I think you were not feeling good that night. No, I was. I we was, went to the one in Sturbridge. Yeah, we went to Salem. Um, you know, it's too bad because that came out at a time when COVID was still kind of raging a little, not really raging, but yeah. everybody, uh, had their own rules and regulations. So, um, but it did very well in the, in the festival circuits. It was all over the place. John got it into a lot of places and it ended up wrapping up in, in Australia. Um, and, oh, wow. and then came back to the States, uh, for one last showing and, and, um, uh, I believe it was San Francisco, but now it's coming back out on its third pressing of VHS. So it's already gone through two oh. pressings on VHS. Now it's coming out with its third pressing, and that's done through Josh Schaefer's company, uh, Lunch Meat, who I, I actually just uh, talked to Josh today or texted with him, I should say. Uh, so we're uh, you know we're in touch all the time, but he yeah they're going to do a third pressing of Snapper on VHS. And uh, the first two uh, runs sold out pretty quick. So they're going to do a third. And I think this will be the final. Oh, that's pretty cool. Though. So, yeah. Um, yeah. so you uh, did you when he came up to you about doing a snapper, did you know him at all? Or did was that the first time you met him? That's the first time we met him. He was actually interviewing Michael and I for uh, a piece on Attack of the Killer Refrigerator. He was going to he's going to write a story for it. Oh. He was contributing to a horror magazine. I believe it was a UK based publication. Um, and then, yeah, it might've been scream. Yeah. It was pretty big. You know, John's all over the place in in, in this world and, and he does a great job and we're lucky to have John because, you know, all the work he's doing right now and piecing together these stories with people like who are in Jaws. Well, David Bigelow, who works right alongside John was of course in Jaws, the movie as a child, which I thought was very cool. But, uh, Mm -hmm. David always says, so that meant that they had to be friends because Jaws is everything to John. Yeah. But for him to take the time and to get out there and interview <laughs> people who are associated with these various productions that he's doing documentaries on is historically significant because, you know what? We're not all going to be around, you know, 40, 50 years. You know what I mean? So um, 
him documenting that now it has a huge, huge impact on the genre, on filmmaking alone, and on storytelling overall. You know, so uh, we, oh, yeah. we love John, but he, we did not know. We we kind of knew who he was. We had a little. I think didn't Michael? He got in touch with us once. He wanted to do an Attack of the Killer Refrigerator a VHS release. Yes. Oh, yeah, and, and that's how it started. He, he wanted he, <laughs> he found like ten tapes that were a color. Yeah, and then he said, "Can we do a small run?" And we were like, you know, for me to pull together all the information and everything, I was like, "Oh, not." We weren't ready, you know. Like I said, we went through yeah. so many people contacting us to do distribution deals, and we already got burned the first time, you know, and we just didn't want to. I don't know. We should have probably let it out more, but I guess that made the price of the VHS go up a little bit more to where it yeah. was. Which, ironically, over two grand for a uh, a copy of the original Donna Michelle, if you could find it. It sold for 2277 200, bucks. I think, oh, is the wow. highest we've ever seen. And that's not what they were asking. That's what it sold for. Yeah, yeah. That's what's yeah. going to be laid down over two grand for it. Um, you know, wow. VHS is huge, just like yeah, if you vinyl. Find enough copies in your basement, you can fund them. Oh, this yeah. Thing. Yeah, well, I wish I did. Yeah. Oh, we gave well, Mark we and I had cases. We had cases of them, and we gave them away to. Well, we gave them to the crew. We gave them to people that were in it. Right. You know, yeah. here, here's we your couple. Here's up. this. Here's that. You know, we have a bunch of extra boxes um, that are pristine. So, from the time, the, like you know, the slip covers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I don't have tapes at all. No. Uh, but. But Snapper, when I met John, yeah, it was all about the killer fridge. And then Mark talked about some of the other things that we worked on. And he mentioned this killer snapping turtle movie. And John's ears just kind of went, what? <laughs> yeah. And because uh, he liked the concept. And then we sent him the script and he read the script. He was like, wow, this is great. I want to do a story. What do you got for footage? And, you know, when he was going yeah. through it, I was like, where's the drama? Where's the, you <laughs> know, we can died you know uh we're still here <laughs> um yes it's a family, but, but it, it in many respects it brought more life to it and mm -hmm. there have been discussions about shooting it with uh, uh one distributor but they wanted us to be faithful to our vision and shoot it on film and the budget just wasn't going to accommodate that you know between shooting it on film today with some special effects of a turtle a uh, bunch of cast, some stunts, um, definitely, uh, you know, a lot of blood and gut scenes, of course. There's a lot of that in that movie. Oh, yeah. But we but we have all the stuff. I did all the location. when It was funny because when the, when the documentary came out, we were feeling, wow, maybe we'll get the opportunity to get somebody to fund this project. So I picked out all the locations. All the locations are selected. There's actually a multi-thousand-gallon tank facility in my town where they do experiments on water movement and water itself so and i wow. shot videos there and these tanks are like 40 by 20 by 20 so they're 20 feet deep you know 20 wide or 40 wide 20 you know it's amazing yeah, yeah. and uh, so i have those areas for underwater shots and um so we it's funny how we kick in the gear when you think you can <laughs> Do it. I have the budget all done. Budget's done. Yeah. I don't think we have a shooting schedule, but that one's relatively easy. Um, even though there's a few more, it's all location based, but it's it's easier. There's not a lot of um, 
there's not a lot of the killer fridge moving around, you know? Yeah. Those practical effects are, can be expensive, you know, just some of the time it takes to set everything up and, you know, uh, we, uh, we're, but we love the stories and we're not letting that limit our imagination. I mean, I don't think we've ever said, unless we came back and restarted polishing a script saying, let's not put that in there right now because we, you know, we always put it in and then we'll take it out as it comes. But snapper is a really cool little story. It's fun. Our, 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 our thing is, like, you go to the movies to escape everything that's bombarding you every day or negative, <clears throat> negative, negative. Now, you don't, you, it was, you're supposed to go to the movies to have fun and escape from the day-to-day doldrums that we all go through. Not that it's, you know, we're all depressed every day or anything, but you know what I mean. We're supposed to, it's an escapism. It's, and, that, and that's kind of the stuff we want to write, you know. We want to... That's, that, that's that, that's that fun movies to watch uh, with an audience is uh, horrible. Well, absolutely. Because you can kind of interact with each other, you know. Yeah, absolutely. You don't want to sit around and just cry with everybody. No, yeah, we were thinking, like, yeah that's a little bit to, of a downer, I think. It's definitely <laughs> downer. And, and within that script, we even have some cast thought about like we have this, you know, crooked mayor, and we were thinking, you know, Bruce Campbell would be a great oh, mayor. Oh, rock you know, on! Oh yeah, and we who else were we thinking, Marcus, for some of those roles? We had a, a couple other we people. Well, we still want to work with Linnea some, somehow. We'd love to work with Linnea quickly. Yeah. We could put her in the killer like fridge. Linnea will be on the show next week. So well, she you will. Tell we want her in the killer fridge too. We'll do because it. That one definitely. We have a role for her. It's not. It's oh, two, It's not even a day. I think it's a day shoot for her. But because there's not many adults in the killer there's fridge. There's only three adults too. in the movie. Well, like no, a there's, well, yeah, everybody yeah. else is a high school kid, you know, um, seniors on down. And she would, yeah, we've been, I, I follow her on online on Twitter and stuff and she, but she was there. Um, and we, we actually, Michael, I think defrosted, do we have the, that footage of Vegas? Yeah, it's on there. Yeah. She's in there. She's got like all kinds of killer fridge stickers on her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's. Yeah, it's in the defrosted documentary. There's a shot. I think it comes from Michael Shoal over to her and um, off the fridge. They did a nice job. They got an actual. I think it. I don't know if it was a GE fridge, but it looked pretty close. Oh, it, it was pretty close. He, yeah, we give a lot of credit to Michael Shoal because without that whole deal, we don't talk about this now. I mean, it would have stopped, yeah. right? So he was the um, only one that took it out of all of them. I know. I went to every booth, all the biggie. I started at the big guys and kept working down and. I ran into Michael, and there it was. Okay, let's do it. And I, I, um, I really liked the Scott Andrews stuff in the Snapper documentary. Uh, his turtle stuff was great, and mm. you know it's a little uh, sad that he kind of left movies, but he he did well for himself, you know, outside doing uh, Spooky World and 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 uh, making. Oh yeah, that's stuff. great. Yeah, he, yeah he's Scott, at the time. Scott was a great find because. You know, this is before the internet, and this is before even where do you go to find a person like that? You know, he kind of reached out to us, which was great, and that's how it all started. You know, I went to his yeah. shop, I looked at, it, I was blown away by his talents. I mean, yeah. he is a incredible sculptor, and back in the day, he used to have these little figures. I'd walk in and see what he'd be working on, you know, and it'd be this, you know horror eight inch figure of some crazy character from a movie and he just was very talented so for him to 
lend his talents to us because, again, there wasn't a lot of money to be spent. There was money spent, but there wasn't a lot of it. Um, so he did give us a lot of his time and his energies and his commitment to the project. And he just pulled together this incredible stuff. I still have a little foam rubber turtle that's about 20 inches long that we used in the yeah, movie. Of course, he pulled out many foams. Yeah, and then Mark has, we have a few of these small ones that we use for motion. But yeah. Scott is still, he oh, made yeah. us a, we have, uh, we're hopefully going to come out with, well, he made us, Mark and I, <coughs> we have three, I think they're six inch fridges from the Cack of the Killer Refrigerator 2 models with teeth. The doors oh, open, nice. closes. Um, there's some details inside of some racks, I believe. With an ice yep. box. Um, he painted it all up. It's got the logo on the back already, like wow. embroidered in. It's very nicely done. Um, we reordered three of them to start right now, just so we could have them because they're not cheap. That's yeah. the thing. These things are not like I thought I was going to give them away for 58 cents a piece. And was, <laughs> yeah, it's triple, way more. But um, they're very cool. They're about six inches. So we're looking forward to getting those. It'd be a nice little collectible. Mm. I mean, just in the merchandising alone of a yeah. refrigerator too, it could be fun. Oh yeah. You know? yeah. And then there's awesome. you can't forget it's it's kind of gone on. There's a band out in Ohio called Killer Refrigerator. They they were actually oh, really? in the <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. they, they seed metal guitarists. Okay. And they, they opened they, 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 the VHS. Yeah, they actually they are the theme music. For yep. the defrosted, the theme, the opening music, and the closing music. Oh, for that's that's, 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 that's like the refrigerators. Speaking of music, because I saw you guys had a lot of like cool musicians, you know, in your movies. Yeah. Like, how did you go about at that time, you know, finding people to to do music for your movies? Because, like I said, it's before the internet. With the the recordings, yeah, we went from ping ponging separate channels of records being spun backwards through a open reel deck to actually going to real recording studios. After that, for the hooks, it, that's where it really started. Uh, there was a recording studio in downtown Worcester uh, called Licks L Y X, and uh, we said, "Hey, listen, we need some music." We knew a band called the Heartbeats who did the the theme song for the hook, and then Jeffrey Mayju. Uh, who did the score and um, we have another friend of ours called his name is Mark Donnie or they even call him Stig we all went to, we went to school with Stig um, and he uh, went on to become quite a uh, guitar tech he worked for Pat Benatar, Neil Giraldo oh. and he's on tour wow. with Hart and whatever but he's a guitar tech he did the closing credits so we were very lucky where we're from Worcester Massachusetts is a hotbed of musicians, uh, Joe Cocker's band came from here. Joe Cocker, who played, oh. you know what I mean? So we were very lucky to be involved with that community. And there was a guy named Rod Libby who was Joe Cocker's sound man. And he uh, helped us produce this band for an original song, which got airplay on the you know regional rock station, WAF at the time. And oh, yeah. um, I was... I was working there at the time too, so that kind of helped a little bit. <laughs> but um, it was, you know, I just presented it. They, you know, they all agreed to go along with it. <coughs> so we were very lucky. It's an incredible area for musicians and people that have that talent, um, either recording and back then, big twenty-four track open reel, two inch, boom, 
flying thir <laughs> over 30 IPS on the open reel, you know, um, not like it is today with, you know, any of the stuff that we're using. Well, Pro Tools, actually, there's a scene, if you watch Days Before Christmas behind <laughs> the scene, you'll see my look of utter frustration because Lick sent in this guy that was going to run this computer program called Pro Tools, mm -hmm. and he certainly didn't know what he was doing because we got zero oh, no. done. Yeah, we That's sat the there and stared at the computer, and he clicked, and he clicked, and clicked, and, and it was a Mac, too. And um, it was just, I we ended up going back to just doing it live and analog. And, and that was, you know, for um, doing um, footsteps because, you know, film has no sound. So all of those sounds and days before Christmas we had to put in. But in terms of the musicians and stuff, Mark was a roadie for the Heartbeats for quite a while while he was in college. Um he used to carry their gear, set it up, you know, be the roadie guy. And yeah. so we, we've all had friends with them. I did a documentary on the Heartbeats when I got into first producing programming for the local cable channel. Yeah. I sort of had carte blanche and whatever I felt like doing, I did. So I would produce all kinds of different things about music. And I did the ski show because I like skiing and I did a beach show because I like going to the beach, you know? So anything that I felt like doing at the time was really a great way to start my career. I just sort of did. So I used the heartbeats a lot in different things. Uh, we would record bands in the time, but um, so having that key hooked on you song uh, and today it gets a lot of great hits on YouTube still does. It's still a great yeah. way to, um, and then the Right, and then having that in, and then Licks uh, donated a song from uh, Steve Stone. I can't Terror oh, in the Streets, which is really good. That was from their library, and then um, as Mark was saying, Jeff Meju, who was a guy I met through. A I, I'm trying to think how far back. I think it was back at school, and he came around during the hook time. And he had a MIDI synthesizer. This is way back in early MIDI. And he, you know, I kind of pressured him to create the soundtrack. And he did a great job using all the MIDI synthesizers, which back in the day, again, was very early uh, to trigger things. And so he created all of the little underscore, which there were a lot of great movements. We, you know, we would develop hook. You know, anytime the hook was in there, he had his music. And, you know, we had the the fake hook music, you know, much like Jaws, because we learned a lot during college about <laughs> using music to enhance different characters. And so every character had their little bit of music. And uh, Jeff did a great job of, you know, taking whatever conversations we would have and, and putting it down and um, producing, I think, a, a pretty cool little soundtrack. As a matter of fact, I'm going to have a mix the killer fridge too. He doesn't know it yet, but I have him on the budget to uh, mix the killer fridge too. I'm not going to give him the task of, of writing music. I have another guy I love. Um, uh, he's an old friend. Uh, I would love to get him to, uh, to uh, write the music. His name's Johnny Swihart. He's uh, he goes back to many of my corporate projects. I've hired him to, uh, to write corporate projects and, this is a gentleman who was involved in the early Blue Man group, the creation of the music. He wrote oh, wow. so many movies. Um, he wrote uh, Hope and Faith, 
theme song, remember, with Kelly Ripa? She had a little brief oh, yeah. TV show. He wrote all the music for that. Um, he's amazing talent. He was on tour. I, the last time I spoke to him, I heard him on the Howard Stern show with David Hasselhoff. He was playing guitar. Oh, and wow. they said, oh yeah, my buddy here, Johnny, he does, you know, and I, so I texted him and <laughs> what's going on. I heard you on Howard. So it's, it's yeah. fun. And he's been a long time friend back in my early career when I was a producer for a production company, I got all these cool projects to produce. And, um, it was, uh, so I met a lot of cool people. I have a great colorist through that uh, connections as well, who's already reached out and said, I'll color your movie. You know, I'm like, yeah. okay, cool, you know, so I have all these people in place. It's a matter of getting the budget to, uh, to do the shooting. And, you know, we have the locations, our cast is semi selected. We were still looking for that star factor, but we definitely know who we want to get, you know, in our cast. And, like I said, uh, Linnea was, one. We have a local, you must know uh, Ernie Bach Jr., right? Oh, yeah. Yep. yeah Ernie Bach Jr. We have a role for him. Nice. <laughs> um, I've reached out to his people, but they just don't respond. Um, <laughs> it's crazy. He'll probably want to play guitar somewhere, too. Well, uh, there won't be any guitar, but we can put a studio right. in it. Okay, all right. <laughs> hey, you know what? He could, put, he could put a guitar case in, Marcus. We could give him like We'll have him whip out his Martin D D whatever D ten or whatever the number is, you know. Put it in, you know, some rare guitar that he because he's a guitar collector. Yep, yep. But the character itself is very unique and very um, uh, corny and funky, and that all rolled in. And Linnea would play his wife at that point, and she would yeah. be perfect for this role. Oh, that's awesome! Uh, and it's again, it's only a one day shoot for her, so it's not a lot of time. Uh, but it's definitely part of the story. Yeah. She you was know, just in uh, Massachusetts, I think, last week for the Salem uh, Salem Festival, Salem Horror Festival. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I also tell the people in our movie, you know, uh, being a benefit of being an Attack of the Killer Refrigerator too. you have that lifetime uh, appearance at horror conventions, you know? Yeah, exactly. So every summer, Very you know, if you're a star, you could be a... <laughs> To be on uh, on tour, so to say, yeah, you know, find little so. mini refrigerators and yeah, <laughs> yeah, so that's, yeah, you know, to sign your picture, you know, and I, you're young and you know, do it up until you're eighty. Yeah, you know, I mean, people would. I love saw it. your like, roster of people that you had in the opening oh there. Gosh. Like, oh my gosh! Holy At the yeah, beginning, it kind of freaks us out sometimes when we look at yeah, that. Yeah, like, wow. I see my own. Yeah, it freaks yeah. me out. How do you get in contact with somebody? <laughs> yeah. people, you know. I remember uh, the first show, Sid Haig. Yeah. I think I was terrified. Like, yeah, our very first. I didn't know what to say. Yeah, very cool. but kind of like well, we were saying about John. Um, when I, you know, as as I get older, it's um, it's cool to think about some of the people that we have uh, had on, and you know, that aren't here anymore, and you know, we have oh, something yeah. with them. You know, an interview that people can listen to for, uh, you know, for hopefully the rest of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, exactly. Because you archive all your own stuff anyway, right? So I yeah. mean, there you go. So you're documenting it, and then you're putting it into a place where people are able to access it. And it's really, I mean, you know, like we always say, you know, um, 
we didn't come up with this concept, but we always try and preach it that, you know, uh, filmmaking is, is a lot like music, you know, music, what does it do? It evokes emotion and inspires. It's the same thing for any art, but filmmaking especially as well. So, uh, you know, when you hear like, oh, you're really inspiring a lot of filmmakers if they watch the documentary or if they watch any of the things that we've done, you know, we never, I mean, we're glad if that's, uh, if that's a result of it, obviously, I mean, it's a big community. Everybody wants to be in it and, and do their best. And if that's the case and we can inspire somebody or we're inspired every day by somebody, you know, uh, we're inspired from being on your show. Uh, people still have the, want to have the interest in talking to us about this pro project and the projects that we're going to be doing in the future. A lot of uh, independent filmmakers that I know um, who didn't go to film school, a lot of a lot of the information they get they got is um, watching documentaries on uh, DVDs and Blu-rays and also the commentary tracks. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. probably a great idea. the people who did it, you know. And Snapper, we couldn't put any of Scott Andrews' creations in the water because they were foam and they would sink. Oh. and become extremely hard, right? So that's why we had to think of a workaround. So we piled into Michael's apartment when he had his own apartment at this time at <laughs> Webster. We smoked the room out and put tinfoil and flashed a light on it. And it does kind of look like it's underwater, you know? So, yeah. you know, work, working different, different. A lot of people like that scene. That's why I bring it up. It's like, oh, I can't believe you guys mm -hmm. did that. Well, we didn't have a choice, you know, really. <laughs> well, mm -hmm. I, I liked in the documentary when you're talking about, like, uh, the effects in, in refrigerator, like it well, you guys really didn't know how to do, do them, like so you yeah. just kind of made them up as you're going along. Yeah, well, oh, yeah. exactly. There was no Google. Tom Savini, when we had Tom Savini on, he said that was his most fun was early in his career, you know, creating the ways to do these things as opposed yeah. to after a while, yeah. everyone you know has an idea of how to do certain things. And we had Absolutely. no knowledge of doing any kind of prosthetic molding or oh, anything. Yeah. I mean, that paper know, mache. You look how we made the hook, hook, the, the hook hand, yeah. you know, and it's, you know, paper mache and cardboard. Mm -hmm. you know I mean, in a tube going down the middle. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, a lot of sandwich nutty. bags. I thought that was fun. In the yeah, the sandwich bags. Yeah. And, they're you know, they held up a lot more than you would think, you know, slamming oh, yeah. out of the fridge. Yeah. You know, but we did, you know, we did come up with the, you know, the angles, the editing helped. Um you know, ragu spaghetti sauce that definitely helped. <laughs> yes, it did. And that was our special effects at the time. And then the caro syrup was used in the mouth. Anytime they oh, put it in their mouth, and Chris was famous. I, we showed a few scenes where she almost fell out of the fridge, and uh, she's got a whole mouthful of caro syrup, which <laughs> I just couldn't do. <laughs> you know, but um, she was a trooper, you know. We went on a we were on a podcast, or so I listened to a podcast, and the guy kept saying, "No matter what, the towel did not fall down." Okay, <laughs> she's getting eaten by the fridge. She's getting pushed by the fridge. The towel does not fall down, and I couldn't help but stop laughing. I couldn't stop laughing <laughs> because you know um, we made it for a college audience you know we made it to sh be shown to our friends and family you know so right you know and there was we the, the craziest we got was mark's bum and this and that's as nude as, as i wanted to go he wanted to get nude she was all ready to chris was chris said to me i'll do a nude scene i'm like no way do i want to be responsible for that you know yeah and um it was early, you know, again, we were college students. I knew it was going to run on the moat because that was the plan. And the moat was the bar. 
and I, you know, Mark's butt we could get by, but <laughs> having full, you know, others was mm -hmm. and yeah. and Chris was our roommate. You know, she lived with us, so it was one of those things where. No, <laughs> sorry, Chris, not today. Yeah. You know? So what? What were the reactions from your friends at the time uh, when the when they saw the finished movie? Oh, they oh, laughed. Mark's yeah, butt came out. He got a standing ovation. <laughs> you know, and, and it was, they liked it. I mean, you know, one, we knew everybody that was in it. And that's, you know, again, it was live and die at Worcester State College. That was the yeah, plan. Yeah. It wasn't supposed to go anywhere. So, you know, we had all our friends and, you know, the party scene. Everybody loved this. You know, back in those days, seeing yourself on a TV was not it was different. It was, it wasn't like it is today where it's ubiquitous. You know, you see yourself on the screen 50 times in a day back then right. to see yourself on TV. Holy Big smoke. Deal. You know, Even at that level. Yeah. You know, uh, I remember when we used to have a camera, we could get in anywhere, anywhere. You walk in with a camera, you're in, what do you need, sir? You know, what's this? Oh, it was like, you know, they treated you like royalty. Um, even police, right, Mark? All the um, time, yeah. We've done a few. <laughs> Michael was talking about those beach shows. That it, well, I hosted it. I co-hosted it. And we, we was you take a camera anywhere, anywhere, anywhere. We took it to uh, a racetrack up in Seabrook, New Hampshire, and we were supposed to highlight their their you know their place. Oh, you can't you can't shoot here, but listen, we're going to take care of you. They, they, it was, it was just, it was a hundred dollars a piece to gamble and, and anything and, you uh, want in the restaurant. The bar is yours, wow. and uh, don't worry about a tab and whatever you want to eat. And you come over here, you have a problem. You all because we were there to do a documentary or, or highlight their place for this half hour, you know, uh, show that we were showing in the area. So we, um, you know, we took advantage we, of that too. We sure did. <laughs> you know? I got a lot we never abused it, but we took advantage of it. Yep. I did. We got free hotels, free meals, you name it. We oh, nothing know, wrong you, with that. You mentioned you were from a TV crew back in those days, and you were like, Oh, really? Okay, great. How can we help you? <laughs> now forget it. You know, everybody yeah. and their brother has a has a phone. Oh, They're yeah. not gonna give you a free room and hotel and six thousand dollars worth of ski <laughs> gear. It's actually probably when you want you to leave. Hey, you know what? Don't shoot here. Yeah. We we were the original influencers. We were influencing ourselves, is what it turned out to be. <laughs> you know. But we did. We did. You know, we we need these shows. And I did a ski show once. I went to the local ski guy. I said, "Hey, can you outfit us with ski outfits?" He's like, "Sure." Went down there. The bill added up to like six thousand dollars. He's like, "See wow. you later." I'm like, "Okay." It's not like the lady at you know. Hit the car running. You know? <laughs> oh, a different God. time period. And I know it was a long time ago, but it wasn't a long time ago if you put it all into context, you know. So that's how fast it's gone by. But, you know, I, I'm glad that we were able to, you know, live in that time, live in this time and had that experience back because it really makes you appreciate what you have now as far as technology goes, especially. Uh, but back then, no Google, no Internet, no cell phones, you know, that's the oh, way yeah. it was. We had actually the first Avid at an event yeah. that Mark and I produced called the Film Video Talent Showcase because Avid was nearby us and they literally had the first time it was displayed at a show was at our event and the, and the picture 
was 320 by 180. And that's yeah. all they could edit it on. And wow. the lady was giving demonstrations. I was blown away. It was pretty cool back in the day then. You know, and now now we can edit on our phones. And it was, you know, it was fun to go through the transition of watching that technology too, you know. I mean, let's look at the killer fridge trailer, you know, that you just showed a, a little while ago. I mean, that was all done in Final Cut Pro. Um, all the effects. We shot it on a 5K camera. Um, yeah, there's it, it a lot of fun stuff that we can do, you know. And I didn't even composite. I don't think there's one composite in it. So no. I didn't do any type of compositing, you know, um, which is uh, which we would definitely do on our killer fridge too. That was um, actually shot in the house that we we wrote the screenplay in. Oh really? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Mark used to own this house. Yeah, and it's the third hauntest, most haunted house in the country or in Massachusetts. Well, I don't, it's 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 it vibes for the Lizzie Borden house. We I, I was on oh. Ghost Hunters. I did Ghost Hunters, and every Zach Baggins has been there and. I worked with the BBC on a project. There's another film that I actually host and narrate called 14 Degrees, the number 14 Degrees. It's a paranormal documentary. Um, so, yeah, I uh, was up there for a while and uh, moved in in 2000. And, and then, you know, the haunting started and everything else. But we wrote the screenplay there, which was something because um, we already had the location, you know. Um, but... Uh, you know, that's where we're going to shoot a lot of it. And we still are in touch with the people who own it now. Um, I had an ex-wife attached to that. That's why I'm no longer there. <laughs> well, not because I wanted to move out of the ghost push for y'all. That was not not the case. But Michael and I would write in that house all the time. All the time. And it's a big old Victorian mansion. And it's got a reputation. It's the S.K. Pierce, P-I-E-R-C-E -E mansion in South Gardner, Mass. So that's where the story takes place mm -hmm. the whole story yeah. outside of a couple of other exterior scenes in a classroom other than that yeah. it's all there i assume both of you are were horror fans or are horror fans mm -hmm. yeah. so uh what were some of the horror movies that you watch it made you like hey we would like to make our own sometime oh jaws, <laughs> jaws. Yeah. although michael has a great story about a, a film called mark of the devil which um the devil that uh, they were giving out barf bags when you went to see that one, literally. And actually, John, John sent Michael one. John had come across one recently, right? Not too long ago. Yeah, right? he sent me one in the mail. It's an actual barf bag from the seventies <clears throat> when they handed them out to you. We put them on our heads. Um, <laughs> but um, the whole the whole trick to the movie was they were extracting a woman's tongue. It goes back to the medieval times when people would do crazy things. So they would, you know, torture you to death for possibly being a witch. Well, their whole claim to fame was they pulled out this lady's tongue. And that, that gave us a bunch of nightmares. And what warmed it up was Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. So it was one of those uh, Night of the Living Dead, Mark of the Devil. <laughs> so it was a two-banger that really sent a bunch of... Uh, I was probably in fifth grade at the time into <laughs> into craziness. Uh, every every kid had nightmares, especially when the tongue pulled out. But I watched a movie not long ago, well, a bunch of years ago when John was talking about it, I rewatched it. It is the fakest shot I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> How bad it was. Okay. But in my mind as a kid, it was like, oh my God. And I yeah. think it was just because when they pulled out the tongue, you know, they cut away and 
you know, they pulled out the tongue. It had a big, long root on it. And that visual always stuck with me. And I, for, for years, I was like, oh, it's a big root. <laughs> and, and then watching The Handmaid's Tale, and they rip out girls' tongues oh, and that, yeah. too. Oh, yeah. you know? oh God. Yeah. I'm like, that's crazy. You like that? The, um, other films, too. Uh, we, I love Friday the 13th, you know, and all that stuff. That was all fun. Halloween. Uh, but there's another film that really kind of had an impact on us too was a maximum overdrive when the trucks came to life, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, that was a good one, yeah. That was a great one. Evil Dead. I mean, I worked in a video store, and the rule at the store was you can rent out as many movies as you want as long as you bring them back the next day. So I would literally come home with a stack of movies. <laughs> Mark and I would sit in our apartment and literally watch. <laughs> I mean, we've seen it. And then I would bring it back the next day. If we wanted to see it again, I'd just re-rent it out. Oh, you know? yeah. and, um, so we had an endless supply. Plus, no, it wasn't then. But at the time, I did I work at the cable company too? I didn't. But when I worked at the cable company, we had free cable with like every box. Oh, okay. everything with every box. I, I had like four boxes, so we had all everybody in a box, and it was loaded. We had every channel, and uh, I didn't. I had no cable bill up until, geez, I think two thousand from from the eighties, <laughs> because my either I worked there or then my my wife, where I met her there at cable. Yes, um, I did the bad thing. Um, <clears throat> But it was fun. It was a good time, you know. We, uh, but I liked I liked the Evil Dead series. I loved the the Night of the Living Dead, Dawn yeah. of the Dead, um, Day of the Dead is pretty bad. I hate to say it, you know. I know it's just a spinoff, but um, I did love Dawn of the Dead. Um, what were the other ones that were? You we were big Dead, the Hitchcock I, too. The Hitchcock, Hitchcock as well. The Rear Hitchcock Window. <laughs> rear Window, I love. Yeah, I was, you know, I rewatched The Birds recently, and um, I'm very disappointed with the ending of The Birds as they just drive off, and there was really no resolution to what was going on. Um, kind of a bizarre ending for me. Um, but there was a lot of, uh, I like the Midnight Meat Train. Um, that was a, I don't know if you saw that one. Oh, yeah, That's yeah. great. Yeah, Love that good. one. I liked, yeah, um, Clive Barker oh, short stories. Oh, I loved it. And then what was the other one, um, Mark? Um, there was two of them about the guy in the cornfield that every year comes around. Children of the corn? No, it's the, the where he takes apart the bus and um, oh, Jeepers Creepers. Oh, my gosh. That's great. I love those. They did a wonderful job with that, you know. And we got um, respect for things like Chucky, you know, that's cool. Take a, take a doll like that. The Annabelle stuff is all you got to give respect up to it. And then you can start getting down to paranormal activity and, and how those projects came together, which is an amazing story in and of itself and the money they made at the box office. So, yeah, you know why we like the scary stuff? Because it just kind of, you know, gets that adrenaline flowing, you know, and, and also, too, it's like it, it does bring out the kid in you. You know, how many times as a kid did you have like, oh, I'm going to make a haunted house for this Halloween or I'm going to charge my friends 25 cents to come through and I have a garter snake in a jar, you know, uh, that type of stuff. It's like, it brings back that that adrenaline rush and and I don't think there's another genre that really does it like that. I, I can't, you know, I love all the other genres. I love filmmaking as a whole, but I can't think of another genre that gets you 
get you moving like that, you know, that, yeah, you know, right. whether it be a jump scare or something else within that scene that really you're talking about, it just seems people talk more about the horror movies yeah, and that movies, genre. Uh, stay around. Cause like, I, I like to watch old Siskel and Eberts and there'll be movies on there that were even up for awards and stuff. And I'll be like, man, I don't even re- know this movie or like, I totally forgot about it. Like, Oh yeah, I kind of remember that movie, but there'll be, you know, uh, you know, really low budget horror movies and stuff that, uh, keep finding new audiences and around for decades. Oh yeah. No, a lot of that's, it's the new, it is, you know, it's even the killer refrigerator finds a new audience. That's what sort of keeps it around. There's not not rom-com conventions all over the country. (laughs) No. You know know what? It's funny you say that, Neil, because I just said that I'm involved with the writers group uh, out in Los Angeles. We meet every month uh, via zoom or whatever. And, um, and I did bring that up to him. I said, you know, I, I know you guys love your rom-coms and stuff, but there's not like a, you know, you got rock and shock. You don't have rom and yeah, exactly. Um, festival, you know. <laughs> but I'm nothing against the genre. Nothing, nothing against any genre. Nothing against any filmmaker because I know, and Michael knows, and you guys certainly know how hard it is to pull it off. And you can't have anything but up the utmost respect for people trying to tell their stories in this medium. No matter what you're using to shoot on at this point, you know, right? Because uh, paranormal activity certainly went up, you know, it proved that you could do it like that. Oh yeah, and and, and send it out, and then you go back to the found tape movies, you know, the, you know Blair Witch and all that stuff yep. too. Very creative stuff. So we love all of that. The Conjuring series, I love. Uh, I like. I kind of lean on the paranormal side sometimes. But as far as this uh, attack of the killer refrigerator, it's practical effects with a little CGI salt and pepper on the top. And, and that's the way it's got to be done because that's, you know, I, I think um, when you do it like that, you get more respect for doing it like that. I can't stand CG. I, I, I CGI. I, I, I can, but I, I can't when the whole world is that. And that's all you're seeing because it detracts from the product. And I don't care how good computers are. You can still tell it's CGI. So, um, you know, we, we like we love the practical effects and use CGI and, and embrace the new technology. We're warranted within the story and within the scenes. Yeah. All right. So we um, so where can people what's your website? You got a couple websites, right? You have mediahousefilms.com and yep. Cack of the Killer Refrigerator 2.com, Cack of the Killer Refrigerator.com. So, but mediahousefilms.com, I think they all point there. They may mm-hmm. go to different pages, um, but you can find us at mediahousefilms.com. Yeah. And the Blu ray right now, and it's under 700. I think we're getting down to the mid 600s left out of 2000 of the original slipcover versions of the Blu ray. You get that at terror-vision.com. So terror-vision.com, and then vision.com, and you'll see us. But Linnea is dominating that page. You got, her horror workout just came out through uh, Terror oh, nice. Vision. You know, so she's up there. She's got quite a few things happening on that. But it'll be interesting uh, if you mention that, you know, to her next yeah, week. No, yeah, sure. We've been yeah, trying to get in touch well. with her. Yeah, see if we can uh, facilitate a uh, a little uh, hello with her at some point. Yeah, no, I, we know her a little well, fairly well. She's very cool. Yep. And very yeah, no, that would be good. It would yeah. be it would be great to have her. See with her. And then we Danny, who's the other the one? Three, the three adult roles, and the only three adult roles in Attack of the Killer Refrigerator too. And and we were thinking of her as as that one of those roles. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Well, it's been very fun to meet you both. 
You too. Yeah, super Camille nice. Uh, Troy, this has been great. This has been yeah. awesome. We really appreciate it. We'll stay in touch. We'll keep you updated on everything we're Definitely doing. Do. Um, and we love this. And you know, th there's no other community like the horror movie community, yeah. whether or not you're hosting a podcast or or you're you're doing something else within that genre of, of filmmaking. Um, it's it's great. It's a great community. I can't think of another that I'd rather be a part of. I agree. Very good. All right, thanks. All right, thank you guys so much. Thank you guys. Talk to you next time too. Let's uh, let's get it made. Yes, yes. yes. Come on back. We'll talk about it next time. Anytime, yeah. Troy. Anytime. Okay. Right. Bye bye. Thank you so much. And we're going to bring our next guest on here momentarily. Let's do it right now. I think. That's what you think. Oh, I'm going to hit the button. <laughs> Hello, now. Hey, we're welcome. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I need a better Green. name, like uh, Badass Berkeley. All right. Like this. Badass work. Berkeley, that works. Yep. And the Berkeley. Blood spattered Berkeley. Something. <laughs> Blood spattered. All right. Very good. I'll take it. So, I'll take it. Yep. Berkeley Brady. Now, your <laughs> film Dark Nature is coming out uh, May 19th to the theaters. Finally, yes, May nineteenth. It, it's it's yeah. We premiered last year for last summer at Fantasia, so um, now May nineteenth. Uh, finally, I can pass it along to all those friends who are like, "Where can I see it?" It's, you can see it literally everywhere. It's going to be everywhere, all the streaming services, and um, a lot of theaters. So, yeah, and uh, that's uh, now obviously it's great to watch movies at home or uh, not so much on your phone. I, I would not recommend that. <laughs> but if you if you can, it's always best to watch a movie on the big screen. Yes. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, you need yeah. the big screen. It's so different. It's so different. And watching it uh, through the festival circuit on a big screen, it's like this. I, it's almost a shame to see. Like, it, just don't watch this movie on your phone. If you're going to watch it <laughs> on your phone, like, just please don't. Because so much is about the landscape and these epic shots that we really hustled to get and i think when you see it on the big screen you just let it wash over you it's just like you just kind of can just it just takes you to that place and you can only get that on the big screen yeah now i unfortunately did see it on on the small screen for the interview but i am i'm looking forward to seeing it on the big screen because oh, yeah. exactly what you said yeah. in my notes i wrote the just the landscapes, like you said uh i think uh it's definitely something that would look good it's like an epic uh, visually and also I think some, something that people overlook when they talk about the big screen is also the sound because you mm. feel the sound when you're in the theater so true. So true. Yeah. and it's there you can't I, mean, I guess you could be annoying and start playing on your phone but it, <laughs> it's it's there and you, you're not going to escape the movie no exactly and yeah you have it's like I uh, heard the a filmmaker talk and she was like you know I think always think of the theater almost like a pool of sound so like what's at the front of the pool what's at the back and those sounds like that you're you're in it you're not it's not coming just at you from this one source things are moving it's yeah and i think for this film particularly we're just so lucky that we had the sound designers we had and the composers we had because the sound is really just like pretty epic yeah <laughs> and i didn't do that that's them so <laughs> i'm not like tooting my own horn here well you're you're allowed so oh, yeah. I guess we should ask for people not aware yet. Uh, can you give them an idea of what Dark Nature is about? Dark Nature is about, to me, it's really about friendship, really at its core. But the plot and the sort of one paragraph synopsis is there's, it's about a woman named Joy who's trying to get over a really bad relationship. And so her best friend convinces her to go on a weekend retreat 
with a bunch of other ladies, like a therapy retreat. Just one weekend, let's go deal with our issues, hike it out. And uh, they do not get to deal with their trauma as much as get more. <laughs> and uh, the movie's kind of bookended uh, with with trauma and violence. And so you see right away what kind of relationships she's in. And then it's a different type of trauma near the end of the movie. Was that done, I guess, on purpose to kind of have, you know, the one at the beginning and one at the end? And, and, to, uh, and to show what, what she's... Um, what kind of relationship she's in right to begin with as to like kind of reveal that as it goes on. Yeah. I think that I wanted it to be something where if you were to watch the movie twice, you could look and be like, Oh, that's why she's being this way at that moment. Because um, it starts with a scene that she's dealing with of where she basically, it was like her boyfriend attacked her and that's what we think she's dealing with throughout the whole film. And by the end, you realize she is dealing with that, but there's something else that she herself has done that she's also dealing with. So I wanted to look, yeah, bookend it and also be like, let's explore just both sides of this toxic relationship. Um, yeah. Now you bring that up because there's a point in the movie, and I don't want to give too much away, but um, where I think the, the the best friend character is actually frustrated, you know, with her. Yeah. And I think the, it's also the audience, I think, uh, for the for a lot of people would be kind of agreeing with her at that point. And so yeah. I thought it was kind of a realistic look on, um, I don't want to say black, everything's not black and white, because obviously no one uh, deserves to be, you know, to be abused or anything. But it's not necessary that she's uh, blameless in a way. In yeah. Mind. And I think there's like there's a lot of complexity in, in the situation. And I think we're all familiar now with like, what is abuse? What is trauma? It's like, OK, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got it. But what are, it's like, what are the ripples after that? How does it affect your friendships? Who are you as a person to stay in that relationship? Like she has to figure out like, why am I in this relationship? You know, why and what part do I play in this? Um, so I think there is gray area that is interesting and in that if we're being honest about who we are as humans, whether you're a man or a woman or any gender that you are, like you're playing your part, whatever that part is. And it's up to us to be responsible for what we do and what we choose. But also, yeah, it's like, she's not the one to throw the first punch. <laughs> like, I don't think like someone brought violence to her. And so uh, that's something that that's just a line that I think let's not cross. Let's just not be violent. Like we got, I have a son. He's, he's 13 months old. He's not allowed to just hit. <laughs> Well, he congratulations on your son. Oh, yes, yes, that's always good. Yeah, yeah. I was actually pregnant during the shoot. Oh, really? I assume since you're shooting in the mountains, that must have been a difficult shoot. Then. It was. It was a hard wow. shoot. Yeah. When it ended, I was very happy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for, for multiple reasons. Yeah. So, um, um, how about for the actors themselves? Uh, you know. I assume, you know, they had to be in good shape. And was there any uh, injuries at all? You know, uh, mm. even nothing serious, but just being out, you know, out, out and about. You know, the only person who got injured really was um, our stunt coordinator. Oh. We were just out in the mountains. So he was just going up a steep hill, like no stunt. And he, his Achilles snapped. Oh, oh out. Yeah. So he, you that know. That's just thinking about it. Oh, Yeah. And it was right before we were going up to do the exterior cave stuff, which was oh. harnesses and ropes and 
like we had a whole plan and he was the leader of that plan and we lost him the day before that so that threw us into a sort of chaos for that experience um that was really hard to kind of recover from but we did and yeah i think i think that was probably the hardest vacation because it was about a 20 minute hike kind of straight up to this cave that ended with a rope that you hold on to to like cross this treacherous wow. uh, little area yeah but then but it was this real cave and a real entrance so you when you see them coming into that and crawling it's like it, we really were up there uh -huh. and um then we took samples of that rock and the art director was able to recreate the interior of that cave in okay. a studio so the end of the shoot was a studio and i think that was a real that was really nice yeah, iron, <laughs> no. uh, well it's good that i didn't notice that it looked yeah like exactly was, uh, you know out, out in, in the wilderness yeah how about f finding like the, the right place to shoot was that was that difficult you know, it took a lot of time, but I wouldn't say it was difficult. It it was sort of it was like I'd go on a lot of hikes. Um, I have actually I was dancing at just recreational dance at this dance studio called Pulse, amazing studio in Calgary. And one of the young instructors there, his dad, I met his dad somehow and I found out he was this huge outdoorsman. And so I started saying, like, I'm looking for like kind of like a cavern, like it's almost like really oh, okay. narrow like really narrow and epic and he's like oh let me put that out to my like hike my like wilderness <laughs> group <laughs> and so then they came back with different locations and ideas and we just started going to those and my producer michael peterson he had some ideas too so we went to places but you're always balancing like how far can we leave from the city limits because asking a lot of people to travel so people you know 45 minutes yeah. At four in the morning feels a lot different than an hour. <laughs> Even just that <laughs> it makes a difference, right? And so um, it was through friends. And then my husband actually suggested and found the, the water location, which is also where in Predator Prey, she encounters the predator for the first time and gets that bear oh. attack. Same oh, yep, location. Yep. Yeah. So we'd actually oh. found that location. Yeah. So we found that location thanks to my husband. And I was like, great job. He's a photographer. So I was like, all right, I trust you. You, you know, you stuff. <laughs> Right. And then I went back on a location scout with one of the department heads and there was all the predator prey people there <laughs> and like, like pre-production, like not pre-production, but they were getting the location ready. So it was none mm. of the actors. They weren't shooting yet. And they had like a hot tub and porta potties. <laughs> and I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. Like, so how do you get these porta potties down here? I want porta potties. For my crew. <laughs> they're like, oh yeah, the helicopter. They just helicopter them in. Oh man. <laughs> Right, right. Everyone can do that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, hmm. I got my helicopter on call. Let me just give him a buzz. Right. We're, like, barely affording a drone here. So, like, <laughs> so we did not have that. But it was interesting because they, they had built, like, the kind of beaver dam that she hides in. So that was floating, and they had all these anchors. That was floating in the middle of the river. Whereas we actually, like, kind of built up, and with the park's people's permission, built up like a natural log jam and that's where our oh. characters go in. Um, but the water, we just had so many technical issues, which I think that scene, you do see them, but what can you do? Hopefully it's still scary. <laughs> and um, Shooting in water is, I knew I from experience and just, of course it's hard, but I didn't realize how hard, like it was really oh. like every, like from the actors being cold and only having so many dunks in them to equipment to there's a big rock there and it's so full of iron that some of our best takes that we had they didn't like they weren't captured because the signal was oh, wow. oh. 
because of the iron in this freaking rock. Yeah. And you're See, like, those are you things would... I'd never even yeah, think right. of. You know, that wouldn't dawn on me. Yeah, you would. You, and like uh-huh. sound, just hard to get. So there's just like little things like that. Or so the blood that we put into the water, it's like they're pumping that blood in the water. It's environmentally sound. Don't worry. We like care very much about all that. And But like pumping it in, pumping it in. But now we've done enough takes and the water's so cold. It sucked the blood. Now we need more. Oh, but that's a 20 minute hike out. Get more. The guy, oh. where's the walkie? Oh, the walkie's not working. It's just like those type of things. That's the reality of shooting on a remote location on a budget. So um, how about our cast in the movie? Had you worked with uh, with any of the cast before? Yeah, it's a great question because I had actually. I'd worked with um, Helen Belay. I worked with her on a short film called Song of the Dead, which is still not out because long story but anyway still working on that one and um i'd worked and i was she's from um actually my producer mike had suggested why don't you make this short with her and see if she's someone you could bring on to the feature because she's local and of course we want to develop local talent and you know just be working with people who live where we live and i thought okay she's very very good like i think she's going to be a star like she's already she's really based in theater though so this is what film this was our first feature and it's a very different style of acting so i think it was a big learning curve for her um then with um, madison walsh who plays carmen uh she had played uh the character of louis riel's wife marguerite riel in an episode i directed of a tv show called secret history of the wild west and um, she's Métis. And I was like, you know, she's pretty damn good. <laughs> this is like, I want to work with someone like her. And she's also a writer um, as well. Anna, I hadn't worked with. And then Roseanne Superno, who plays Shayna. She is a, I'd worked a lot with a, a good friend of mine, Michelle Thrush. She's an actor who's also in Predator Prey. She plays the mother. Um, she had worked with Roseanne on Blackstone. I don't know if you guys know that show, but Oh, why don't you try Rosie? She's she's good. And um, so I talked to her and she was like, I want to play Joy, like this, I feel this character. But she had a heart condition where she can't go in water. Oh, no way. Yeah. So it was like, ah, like at this stage of the script and the process, we can't like ditch the water scene. Yeah. Yeah. Now looking at it all in retrospect, (laughs) like we should ditch that water scene. Yeah, and it's a live and learn kind of moment. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm sure, though, I'd say it's live. Have I learned? I'll probably do it again. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) so this is your first feature film, yes. So, uh, um, you know, you uh, so your first feature movie, and you're doing all these things, you got water scenes, you're out in the mountains. Did anyone say, uh, maybe scale this back or? And honestly, if they did, I just blocked them out. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good way to do it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, uh, who who did you have uh, doing the effects? Um, well, we did a lot of practical. We really aimed to do as much practical as we could. Um, pretty much everything is practical, actually. So, um, yeah. So and that was fun. I would love to keep working in that way and learning more and working with those craft people who are able to do that. Um, some CGI, it was a CGI house out of Vancouver, uh, Kenji, but I forget the company's name. Sorry. Um, so yeah, yeah. Mostly practical. Yeah. Uh, everything looks good. I won't give too much away of the movie, but you know, some things are very cool looking later on in the film. I hope so. (laughs) 
Yeah, we have a amazing um, Kyra McPherson. She is was the head of our makeup and special effects. Um, she's just one of those people who everyone in the industry is like, oh, Kyra, I love her. Like, because she, like, I'll give you an example. I was just working on the new Wind River movie. I was shadowing the director, of second unit director and the main director. And it's just a cold, you know, cold night shoot. Kyra comes from the makeup department. She was on the shoot for a few days, just with the box of Kleenex, just handing it out to people. <laughs> like, because we have runny noses because it's cold and it's late. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, it's just like, that's the kind of person she is. She's always thinking of like those little things that will help people yeah. and that people might need. And so, but she's also just such a like horror fan, loves creature design. And she also does the, so like the military, when they do training, they'll go into the wild areas and they'll to train, bring in makeup artists and special effects people to like, you know, make someone look like their intestines got blown out. And then it's for training. So someone can find them on the ground. Oh no, your intestines are out. What do I do? but they need to look realistic and be anatomically correct. So she does that as well. So she has this amazing training in like wounds basically. So she brought that to, to it. And I love that kind of stuff. So that's really cool. And she worked with um, the the costume designer, Jennifer Crichton on the creature design together. They, they made that. Nice. uh, Since you mentioned the creature, was it, um, was the look itself inspired by anything in particular? Well, I think what's hard is because the movie is like in many ways an homage to the, to the descent. Mm-hmm. I couldn't use their creatures sure. oh. <laughs> because, and in my mind, descent, like, I want uh, it. one of my favorite. Um, oh, I would say modern. I guess maybe flick. not necessarily yeah. modern anymore, but one of my favorite of the last you know couple decades. Right, yeah. it's so yeah. good. It's so good. Like everything about it is, yeah. I, I love that movie. I love that you don't know what you're getting into, and it changes <laughs> so many oh, times. Yeah. yeah. Like what happened with the descent to you? I'm sorry. What happened with the descent to you? It's so okay. It's very typical movie as opposed to the first. Yeah, right. I guess so. But oh. sometimes sequels are good. But they can yeah, send yeah. her back while she's still like recovering. Anyway, I digress. But um, <coughs> so yeah, I felt like because there was, I understood like it was like woman trauma forest. There's so many cave. There's a cave. It's like. Those are like descent territory that I was like, okay, anything that the descent creatures have, I cannot use. <laughs> right, right. Like, I, I, I got you. <laughs> yeah, you can't be like, can't have, like making my years. own descent. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. This is a weird question, not about your movie, but about the descent, because I found this interesting. So at my um, local theater, I go to a lot of Coolidge after they do Coolidge after midnight, they show midnight movies. And for Halloween, they do a 12-hour movie marathon from midnight till noon the next day. That's very, I always go. Amazing. And they always have a theme. So the last theme, it was vampire movies. And so they had the original Dracula and Fright Night. And and, and they showed The Descent. And the guy who puts it on, he says, I know people argue that this isn't a vampire movie. And his, his, uh, his claim is that it's a vampire movie if you take out the supernatural elements of vampires. And I was like, that's, I don't know if I agree, but I find it very interesting. Yeah, that's a neat take on it. Yeah. yeah. So I like I, that. What, what do you think? I you that it's like a vampire escaped, hid in a cave. <laughs> yeah. They're like real, what maybe like the real vampires, and then people in the past saw them, and then the legend grew from them. I'm not sure what exactly he's, but I like in that. Either way, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, they can't be in light, they've adapted to the dark. 
Yeah. They eat blood. Uh, they look like Nosferatu. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you just you strip uh, the supernatural stuff, you know, the crosses and everything, so and the, no reflection. So it's an interesting uh, concept, yeah. I thought. I like that. I like when people stretch a little and like. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Take that perspective, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, that's a unique cool. one. Yeah. So back to dark nature. Uh, any animal? Um, any uh, any problems with animals in the wild? <laughs> there were. I wouldn't say problems. Okay. There's two things. I always have bears in my movies, like whether it's documentary shorts, I've always have a bear somehow. I've got some bear like spirit energy or something going <laughs> on. And so when we were working with the formerly known as the Russian arm now known as the Ukraine, you know, it's the, the crane on the cars. So when you're doing the car shots, the camera gets attached to this like I Ukraine, <laughs> formerly Russian arm. Uh, and <laughs> so when you're driving there, so I'm like in this car and I would say that's 100% the funnest, best part of the movie for me. And where I was like, I love my job so much, like nice. driving in this car that's all rigged out inside with monitors and like controls and these guys that uh, Black House Cinema who do, who do this locally, they're just so fun and so cool. So we're like driving. We've got the picture car behind us with the actors in it. It's all those opening shots of them driving in. So the, the crane is out following them. And the camera is behind on their car. We're ahead. And there's a black bear. As we're driving up, come over oh. here. There's a big black bear on the road. So I was like, swing it. Can you swing it? Swing it. So you can get the bear. This will be so epic. So it's like, yeah, no problem. So they like swing the camera. So we've got like... The Characters in the car, camera swings around to like grab this bear, and the second it was about to see the bear, the car ran out of memory. Oh, oh no. no! Yes, <laughs> it was like no. <laughs> <laughs> but it was also like touche bear, touche. Like <laughs> tricks on us, so we didn't get that. We ran off, um, and then we had a grizzly bear who did oh, wow. come to, yeah like he, he just kind of came down this big hill so we had circus with our trailers and where we were all like you know these, these bears they can smell like if you have a donut they could smell it from one kilometer away oh yeah yeah like they're all scent like they we can't yep. even imagine what they smell yeah they're like dogs i think they're right up there with dogs as far right, as like the best right? sense of smell and that makes sense their noses look the same as dogs yeah like, yep. little, like but they can smell everything so poor things, they're out there scrounging for like berries and bugs, and we roll in with like ham sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> of course, they're going to be like, what's, what's happening over here? Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Yeah. And this guy, he came down and was like, what, what's going on? And we were like, hey, none of your business. Like, sorry to bother you, but like, you have to leave. But he didn't leave. Oh. And that's a little scary. They're not normally like that. Yeah. Um, probably because it is a park, so they're protected. So they're like, eh. So we're like honking horns, blasting like the bear horns, honking our car, and he was just like, "I think I'm gonna come closer now." <laughs> and everyone was like, "Okay, get into the trailers, like regroup." But then it's like, "Where's Johnny? Johnny is missing." <laughs> you know, it's like the one guy who's sitting with the equipment in the remote, like spot by himself, in between us and the bear. It's like Johnny, oh. but uh. Yeah, luckily we did have like safety meetings about that and we're able to group and they really don't attack groups like groups. It's 
especially groups of adults. I don't know, maybe teenagers. I don't know. But uh, it's very, very rare that they would ever attack a group of more than like five people. It's like unheard of. So as long as we're together and like moving in those groups, I, I do think you're safe. But, you know, you don't want to be in that moment where you're no, like, you oh, yeah, <laughs> don't <laughs> test that theory. You know, that's my advice. Right? Yeah. So I'd say that was, those were the two sort of big animal experiences. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, um, yeah. Well, so when you, uh, premiered at, uh, Fantasia Festival, it was, uh, yeah. Was it Fantasia? Uh, were yeah. you there? Did you get to see it, uh, at Fantasia with a crowd, with an audience? I did. I did. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was really cool. Um, so actually, my uncle lives in Montreal. And one of my best friends was living there. She just left, but um, it was such a great time to, like Montreal in the summer, so fun, so beautiful. It's just such a cool city. Yeah, so I was like, this is amazing. Unfortunately, my husband couldn't come, but I was able to bring my little baby who at that time, I think he was like four months old. Oh, wow. He was just so cute. We got pictures in front of like the Fantasia posters and things like that. (laughs) And I found a good, through a friend, a good babysitter for the night of the premiere. Um, so in a way it was just like, I'm out. Like I'm not with the baby. Like, whoa. (laughs) And it was pretty like a packed screening. Um, honestly, it's just like, it's so intense after working on it for so long to bring it to an audience. I don't know if I could enjoy it. Like, you know, I was just so on my seat of like, did they laugh there? Were they scared? Yeah, I think I'd be too nervous for something like that. Yeah. And the moments I was like, oh, that feels they're not liking this moment. I could tell that like, I should change that. I can't change it. Can I take it? Like, I wish you were allowed to like redo your film after your premiere. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. I think like, that'd be great. But, and yeah. then it was real. but after it was really cool to see like the people who really it resonated with and realizing like, it's not for everybody, but for the people who like it, like they loved it. So mm-hmm. seeing that spectrum was good too. Like, this person loved it. This person was like, okay. But then just like hearing like why certain people liked it. And that was really, really exciting. Yeah. Had you gone to uh, festivals before either with uh, your shorts or just um, as a, as a moviegoer? Yeah. As a moviegoer, definitely. Um, I lived in New York for about six years. So that was just amazing to be like, Oh, you've got like Tribeca, New York film fest. Just there's like Brooklyn, Bedside, like there's just Bushwick Festival. There's just so such an amazing film culture there, and so many cinemas. Um, and filmmakers are just like because it's New York, they're always just there. So like, oh, so oh, like, yeah, yeah, like these crazy people, they're just there, like talking, like Trent Reznor. Oh, he came to the screening and he's talking. Like, <laughs> that's so cool. Like, uh, and I had um, yeah. So I, I've been to a lot of festivals and, and for, I produced a short film that went to a lot of festivals. I didn't get to go to all of them. I went to Sundance. I didn't get to go. Um, but film festivals, if you don't have babies <laughs> and you, or, or you have a good babysitter, like I just recommend them always to people and try to emphasize that it's not about seeing a movie. It's like getting into the festival and hanging out meeting people in the lobby, going across like Fantasia's super casual. So it's like, go across the road. This is the pub where everyone hangs out and it's very casual. And it's like, that's just, it's like the culture of it is really important to me. And it's really, it's really exciting. 
Yeah, I agree. That was the main thing I missed uh, during COVID was, uh, you know, going to the festivals. And I uh, just like yeah. you said, I kind of say the same thing to people. Um, it's it's about obviously watching the movies, too. But, uh, you know, and it's for uh, filmmakers, everyone on any level. They all hang out after everyone's yeah. pretty much equal after, you know, after the movie plays. Yeah, definitely. It really is. Yeah. And I don't like to make this thing about about me, but my so my film, my first film, uh, premiered last August, nice. and so this this last year I've been at a lot of festivals with it, and it's been a very uh, very cool experience. Awesome. Forgive me, I don't know the title of it, but I'm oh, gonna right. uh, end zone. It's two movies, end zone two, which is a uh, quote unquote 1970 slasher film that we restored, and. Oh, wow. um, and uh, the, the future smash, right, is the documentary, another quote unquote, about, uh, about, about. Uh, and awesome. So oh, I can't wait to see it. Can you send me a link? Send me a link. But yeah, they're very fun. And again, it's fun to watch with an audience. And I understand the very, the, the first, uh, first time seeing it with an audience, it's a very strange experience. It's not really. I mean, you enjoy it on some level, but it's also more like, uh, yeah, I hope people like this. I hope they just... Oh, you guys <laughs> are braver than I am. Could... I don't think I could do it. Yeah, I didn't want people walking out was the main thing. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or you can heckle them if they do. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and then they... Uh, so we we premiered at um, at Fright... Te uh, not Texas Premier. Uh, Fright uh, Fest in London. And they scheduled like a, an advanced screening of Barbarian right at the end of our movie. And I was like, everyone's going to go leave and see Barbarian. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not too so, cool. Yeah, I'll be honest, it kind of messed up the Q&A, but, uh, but it was still a cool experience. Nice. Yeah. Have so, you guys I'll... ever um, talked to anyone at Arbitoire Festival no. in Wales? No, I don't think so. We went there, and honestly, like, if you're looking for an excuse to go to Wales and you're yeah. a horror fan, just go to that festival. It is, like, you guys have to go. It's, like, you can stay in a haunted old, like, mansion in Wales. Rock on. Right? Yeah. Or an old castle. Yeah. yeah. People are so cool. It's, like, in a university cinema, but it's a really nice little cinema. And the people who run it, like, like they had amazing – they had um, William Crane from the director of Blackula. Oh wow! Oh, oh, he was there. Oh, it's funny you mentioned that because I actually helped set that up. You did because I had yeah oh. I had him on the show. We had him on the show, and I'm kind of friends yep. with them. And they contacted me, and they because they they just to get the contact form. And so I asked, I I, I called up William, and anyway, yes, I helped set that up. So it's, it's oh my uh, god. Yeah. I have such a cute picture of him and my baby. I wish I could. I have it on my desk. I can like show it to you after. But um, yeah, it was just like. I don't know. Just I feel like the people who program that festival, mm -hmm. they're so smart and they're so awesome. And there's a really good little cafeteria attached to the theater. So all the people who come to see it and they come from all over like England and Wales. <laughs> little theater, super small theater, but such good movies. And wow. it, like people will just kind of camp out and they can like go get this amazing food 20 steps away. I don't know. I just like it was really an incredible experience and they, as hosts uh, they were so good to us as filmmakers like so they put like william oh my myself God. i was with my producer my best friend was able to come my baby it was this old like beautiful old like estate whale welsh estate like who does like they gave me this gorgeous blanket for my baby like oh too cool so nice right yeah. like yep. just took really good care of us and like i was like oh this just feels like 
I don't know. Like I'm, I had, that would be, that was like my pinnacle. Like it, it wouldn't be to go to a like huge festival and just be like hustling, hustling. It was like just this small community. That's of another thing that. I do bring up. Is, that sounds um, great. Some yeah. of the smaller festivals are, um, I wasn't even say smaller, but it, especially single screen festivals. Uh, there's something about everyone watching the, all the movies together on one screen. And yeah. there's usually a nice community yeah. vibe where it's like a lot of the same people come every year. Yeah, and, uh, and everyone's supportive. I don't know. There's there's something about that that I like. And when the hosts know their stuff, like yeah, this, yeah. they oh, really so do there. So like they have such a good like. There was a whole the whole Blackula, and it was all about like black exploitation. And there was this amazing through connection with the Bristol Black Horror Club. So oh, they yeah. were there and like had this amazing like essays and just like contextualizing these films. And it's like this wow. is so amazing. Like I'm learning so much and meeting these amazing people. And so you they get do their homework at this thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Whereas like other festivals are more like markets. Yeah. Like you're there to sell, you're there to sell the movie. People are like, who are you? What are you doing? How can we make money off you <laughs> or not? <laughs> yeah. Whereas this is just for like the love. Yeah, yeah. And Black Blackula is a genuinely really good uh movie. Oh, I yeah. love that movie. Yeah. yeah. It really, really is. Yeah. They showed yeah. uh, the second one at the uh, at the thing I was talking about in the vampire. Uh, uh, they didn't show the original one. They showed Blackula, Scream Blackula. I think that's oh. called. Okay. I haven't seen that one in a million it's, years. It's good. It's not as good as is the it? One, But yeah, I like it. But uh, this the first one's like a very good movie, I think. <laughs> so oh, what is Khan's Fantastic Seven? Um, basically... It's part of the market where they'll take, um, they go to seven film festivals around the world and each film festival picks a genre film that they want to put forward. So we were put oh. forward by TIFF, but there'd be like South by Southwest put someone forward. There's sort of seven from around the world and they call them the like Fantastic Seven. Oh. Yeah. Which is nice. Yeah, Yeah, that sounds pretty (laughs) exclusive. I like it. Yeah. Right. And so you go there and it can be like, um, they'll say, yeah. So they'll give a presentation, a trailer. So I think we were, we were not finished post-production at that point. We were very close. Like we had final cut and, but we hadn't done like color yet and the final sort of touches. So um, I literally like just had the baby, so I couldn't go. Um, I was thinking about it. Though. I was like, how old do they have to be to travel? Like, we could do this. Yeah. <laughs> He's sleeping all the time anyway. Yeah. Um, but no, I guess it, it would have been too much. And so my producer went and he gave a little presentation. Then they show a clip and that's it. Yeah. And uh, yeah. right now, um, uh, independent horror movies, uh, you know, they have a, not all of them, but you get a, you know, you have a shot of getting in theaters now, so it's very cool mm, that you're filming. That is off, great because they do well, and uh, and yeah. and the theaters see they do well, so you know you get more in there. And I also tell everybody out there, you should support them too. Um, so if you see your your theaters having some cool uh, horror movies, go and watch them because oh, yeah, we the more people do. go watch them, the more likely they'll have uh, they'll be playing more. Yeah, it's so important. Yeah, if you want to see such a good watch, time too. Oh, yeah. It is. What else are you going to do? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> stay home. You want to stay home another night? <laughs> so, like, go see them because if you don't, they won't keep coming. <laughs> so, we, yeah, if you like something, put your money there. Yep. Yeah. And I, I know it's a very different movie, but I think you know, the success of Terrifier 2 
helped a lot uh, yeah. with you know all horror. Can't hurt. Yep. Yeah. yeah. But don't expect. Uh, uh, your movie's much different than Terrifier. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which uh, that also played at the, at the that it was the it, it played before my movie Terrifier Two. Oh, okay. Oh, so you were a, sandwiched in between two yeah, crazy Terrifier huge movies. Barbarian. Excellent. What the hell are they doing to me? But right? <laughs> you're like, thanks a lot, guys. <laughs> it was still a good time. So I saw in an interview you did with a puppet that, uh, <laughs> about a couple books that uh, you would like to turn into movies. Ooh. Yes, <laughs> the puppet. The puppet was awesome. Um, so one book is called The Summer of Bitter and Sweet, which I'm working on my second draft right now of my adaptation of that. Um, and the other one is called Half Breed, and I'm hoping that that can be a limited series. Oh. So six to oh, seven cool. sort of one hour episodes. But I love right now on TV that you could be like, this episode's a 40 minute, but this one's uh, 70 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Why not? <laughs> exactly. I yeah. agree. A, a yep. story should be as long as it needs. Exactly. And not yep. and because we've all seen movies that are that should have been a short, really, and they grew it up to <laughs> you know true. two an hour and a half, or sometimes now two two and a half or three hours. Yeah. And, uh, and it doesn't help it. It, it. You know, it actually you know takes it down. And then um, why truncate something to fifty eight minutes or something when it could be seventy minutes, like you said? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I like adapting a lot because it's like you have this world and these characters and then you get to kind of do whatever you want with them. Like honoring the the intention of the author is really important to me, but it's also a different medium. So it's like, oh, they've done all this hard work, made this amazing, these voices, characters, place, situation. But then I get to take that and go. So I guess it's just because I'm kind of lazy in some ways. It's like, let me adapt. <laughs> I think that's the best way for most books. Like I, I, I realize Stephen King books, and um, the best ones usually are like the 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 series versions because they have longer mm -hmm. to tell the story. And it's, oh yeah, you know, and his books are very long, so it's hard to cut that all down to an hour and a half. Yeah, yeah, it really they they are big books. I mean, Carrie was very good, though. Yeah. Oh no, there, there's. Uh, I mean, like Pet Cemetery and stuff, but um, yeah. you know, just some of them. It's just. It's almost impossible to cut it down. Into yeah. An hour and a half. Yep. You really can't. And I, uh, from what I understand, people always rec uh, mention this that uh, right now series are really good um, uh, because all, all this, all the the streaming sites and all the platforms, they need content, and oh, yeah. you know, a series just uh, that's more hours. Yeah, true. So I know that's not an artistic uh, thing to bring up, but it's <laughs> no, it is. Well, it's always that I think this business is that that meeting of commerce and and art. Yeah, like, and we get a lot of cool series. I think in the last twenty years, like stuff you oh, probably yeah. haven't seen normally. Absolutely. Yeah. What What are your favorites? Uh, well, even uh, I love Sopranos and uh, Breaking Bad. Uh, yeah. Better call Saul. Probably name stuff people on the but uh, Shield yeah. is really good. Um, hmm. Trying to think of something more out there, but uh, I don't know. There's been so many. Do you have any ones that, so that stand out? Have you try? Um, let me see. Like some sometimes it's just 
a limited one that just has like three episodes oh, like that dracula that black mass that was from good. oh black mass was, was great midnight on netflix midnight, 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 midnight mass that's midnight. what it was oh, about okay. the vampires on netflix mm -hmm. it's tremendous oh i didn't see that okay it's yeah, so great. good i think you'll love it oh i like a good recommendation yeah, and I know. Like the, a couple of, um, the Dracula you mentioned was good too. I like. Yeah, and that was only a three episode thing, and yeah. but it, they kind of told their story, and you know, it was perfect in three episodes. But then in um, there's a uh, Korean series, uh, The Kingdom, which is a great zombie series. Oh, okay. And it it's I think much longer. I think each each uh season is like 25 episodes oh, wow. and there's like three uh seasons of that so I, I i can it's like you were saying like you can jump around from however long it tell, takes to tell a good story you know and like i'm yeah. good with that yeah and i know it's not horror or anything so but I, i'm a big fan of barry as well oh barry's great yeah very very good yeah. very very good i mean pretty much all the hbo series i'm yeah, oh yeah, you can't go I'm wrong. Watch, I assume if I start watching them, I don't yeah, really think exactly. I've ever watched one. I'm like, ah, I don't want to watch this. Thing. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I don't think there's a lot on there that I've watched one and then said, nah, this isn't no, for me. Yeah. Did you guys get into Yellow Jackets at all, season one? Oh, my friend Robin has been recommending this. I I've heard good things it. about it too, but no, I haven't seen it yet. I liked season one. I've just started season two, and I'm like, it was kind of a long gap between them. Oh, okay. So I'm like, oh, I'm like, it hasn't got me quite back yet, but I hope that it will. But season one was very, oh. very good. Yeah. And Peaky Blinders on, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. On yeah, yeah. That was yeah, such yeah. a great series, too. Yeah. I started yeah. wearing the, the caps because of Peaky Blinders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice. So I as far as something that I think somebody should grab and make into like a movie is F. Paul Wilson's short story, Faces which is one of the most clever uh, serial killer stories. It's a really, really good story. It's a female serial killer who's kind of disfigured, and it's just a really great story. I can't remember what... what uh, it's on one of his short story uh, collections. Very cool. But, okay. That's one I... Anybody that ever makes it, I'll be the first person in line to watch it. Good to know. Yeah, yep. you'll, deserve, you'll deserve, you know, a cut of some kind. That's yeah. it. Well, Wilson deserve. will come back on. It'll be good to see him That's again. <laughs> Super nice guy. I want to mention, too, that you have an acknowledgement at the end of the movie for uh, the uh, Territories Treaty 7, if you yeah. want to explain what that is. Because you guys are in the States, right? Yeah. yeah. I didn't we're find out. Where, what cities are you in, or where are you exactly? Uh, we're both in Massachusetts, but different cities. Okay, cool. So in Canada, we have a whole other history. Very, we went a different way. We stayed with the English. <laughs> they forced that a bit, forced that. Um, but basically, there's 11 um, treaty territories in Canada. And these were agreements and territories with each territory was, you know, represented. It's, it's like people have been in each of those territories for, what, 20,000 years? So uh, the very different indigenous groups in each territory. And basically these were, the treaties were agreements made um, and it's a relationship. And for indigenous people, like a spiritual relationship, there's a spiritual component and like it, it's a, an agreement, a deep agreement. So um, each treaty has a different agreement and I live in treaty seven. 
And if you look at like what the treaties are really about and what was really said, like they're legal documents. So we're living in, we're like call ourselves here, like treaty people. So British Columbia is the only area that isn't in treaty that, so it's called unceded. So there's like, wasn't agreements there. Um, but I live in treaty seven. So it's sort of one of those things where if we don't, uh, you know, colonization is like, ah, forget about those promises and that agreement that we said we're going to, let's not remember. It's like, no, 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 let's remember. <laughs> and it's important. And we're all the better for like honoring those agreements. Yeah. So that's something that in Canada, we're just, it's a many hundreds of years relationship that's going on. It's not ending. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's still happening. And so that's something that's just part of our culture that, I've lived in the States and I was like, Oh, it's, it's not like that here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's oh, more yeah, of a, like, I, I actually never yeah. seen it in a movie or heard of it before. So I thought was, uh, I would like to ask you. Yeah. And we did like a land acknowledgement, which, and land acknowledgements are like not for the indigenous people because they don't need to do that, but it's for the like non-indigenous people to just take a moment to recognize like, Hey, I'm a guest here. Okay. I'm, I want to bring this intention to this place and honor this place. And so we did um, land acknowledgements and uh, with our cast and crew at the beginning. And I think it was a good thing. Like, it's just like sets things on a, on a good path forward. Yeah. Definitely. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I really uh, like Dark Nature and want everyone to uh, check it out when it comes out uh, in the theater if you can. And uh, if you can't, you said it'll be on streaming sites. Yep. All of them. Oh, yeah, excellent. excellent. It'll be there. So uh, May 19th. Go and watch them on all. So some credit on all of them. Go yeah, but, go uh, one to another to another. I like that. Yeah. Top ten people who watch them on all. <laughs> yeah. Sign picture my signature on a picture of William Crane with my baby. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. And yeah, where can people follow you to see what you're up to? Not back to your cave and in the woods. <laughs> yeah, well, come to the Canada and hike this mountain, take a left. <laughs> follow the the scent of uh what a hot dogs. Follow the bear. If you see the bear who's going somewhere, yep. <laughs> and you will find me. So I'm uh I thought I well thanks to the film, it's like pushing me to get my company's Instagram, like pay some attention to it, um, which is Nika underscore productions. And I'm on Facebook, Berkeley Brady. Um uh, Nikaproductions.co is my website. There's um uh, like a form there if anyone is like, hey, come shoot a movie here. That's how you can find me. Excellent. Cool. Well, this has been very, yeah. uh, very fun to talk with you. Oh yeah, oh, so yeah, good to talk with you guys. Yeah, you'll have to come back that. again one day. Yeah, congratulations! Yeah, thank you back. I've got all oh. sorts of opinion on horror movies, like all sorts <laughs> of horror movies. <laughs> yeah. all right. Awesome! Such a pleasure, guys. Yeah. Oh yeah, good it was great. You. Thank you so much. Yep. And uh, awesome. look forward to uh, future projects from you. Thank you. Likewise. Yeah, I'm good luck go with everything. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye bye. All right, Troy. So, so I've got some uh, some stuff here I wanted to talk about. Just between the two of us, or should we share this with people? We can share it with everybody. All right. So, um, if you need to take a break, I could play a song quick. Yes, that would be wonderful. Perfect. Right. I can get I'm some more drink. I'm going to play a song from Music of the Month, Sorrow Seed, and we'll come back. And I'm going to tell everyone, Troy included. 
the full lineup of severed limbs the 13th which is playing 13 see i have the weekend. old school two on that's very true. I, I I cheated and I made one for me that just says nice. limbs that I could wear. Oh, the that's wings. perfect. Then you could wear it to everyone. Right. We'll talk about maybe the fourteenth one. We'll do, but for right now, we're gonna play uh, a tune from Sarcee. Then we'll come back and we will talk about these films that you'll be seeing this Saturday. Awesome. Sounds good, Chief. I'll be Thank back you. in a moment.
Hey, so we are back here once again at uh, Without Your Head. Big uh, thanks to Berkeley Brady for being on the show. You can check out her film, Dark Nature, May 19th at theaters and VOD. Very cool. By the way, I forgot to mention an animal warning. So if you watch uh, Dark Nature, if you're going in there, just be warned that um, there is some animal stuff in the film. I know some people, you know, hate to see that. Hello. And also big thanks to Michael Voe and uh, Mark Voe and Michael Savino of Media House Films, Tack of the Killer Refrigerator, The Hook of Woodland Heights, Days Before Christmas, and Snapper. Very cool. Uh, big thanks to Sorrow Seed, our music of the month here. Shout out to Annabelle Lecter, cannot be here tonight, but she will be back next week when we will have um, the fine people of Thrust. It will be a good time. And Brian Moore, sculptor, talking about his new film. Hello, Troy. Hello, Neil. How I are still you? sound the same because my uh, my earphones, uh, the one died, and so I switched oh, no. the ear, uh, earbuds. Actually, you sound better for oh, whatever sweet. reason. Yeah. No, the, I, I hear much better. So. Uh, oh, okay. You were a little low, or maybe that was my, uh, my speakers acting up. Mm, I don't know. These are much better for me. I hear much okay. better. Okay. So. Yeah, you just you sound better unless no, it's right. just me losing my mind. Could be. Cowabunga Could be. from Surf City here, David Perry. Good dude. Oh, um, I should play that. I should play another video, but we'll play that here in a little bit. Um, let me grab. Don't you grab me, fella. I will grab you. All right. Let's see here. I'm just going to grab. Uh, while I'm grabbing these, I'm going to play a quick uh, video. And this is for from our good friends. at. Uh, it came from the 508. And uh, their new project that is coming up soon, Beneath the Red Umbrella. So I'm going to play that quick. And then I'm going to have, uh, we're going to go over some, some stuff that you'll be seeing at Sever Limits 13.
Ah, beneath the red umbrella. That'll be coming up uh, soon from those good folks. Go check out their website. That was uneasy music in there. It was. It had me scared. Yep, me too. The scary, scary man out there. All right. Let me grab these. Up. All right. So, um, we're going to start out showing some of the um, the trailers that uh, we're not going to watch the trailers. I'm just going to show you some of the uh, what trailers, the official trailers of Severed Limbs 13, what you can uh, be in store for. So we have um, Blood Brothers Life Harvest. Looks pretty cool. Yep, digging it. That will be uh, one of the official selections. And then you can also, uh, so how it is, is you're going to watch it. It is a, uh, a live uh, virtual film festival. We've got like uh, quite a few. Um, I think it's the uh, most trailers we ever had and oh. tw over 20 short films. Nice. And uh, and so we'll watch them all together. There's an interactive chat room with uh, filmmakers and uh, film watchers alike. And uh, there's It's always so much fun because you can kind of like throw some stuff out there. And yeah. usually the, the filmmakers are there. You can, you know, tell them, hey, I love this or that, whatever. Mm -hmm. It's good stuff. Double B's, the story of sex and nudity in horror movies. Okay. So hide your eyes, Tazo. I see you out there. Robbie Scar, if you're out there. No impure thoughts. The hairy ones. This, oh. this poster is really nice. You can also, we also are going to give awards for favorite posters. Oh, that one might be a winner so far. I it dig that. Pretty sweet. Uh, Half Cut Harlot. Uh, inmate insanity. Nice. It came from your anus, the planet. Okay. Uh, let me. I, I have the names here. I'm not positive what this one is called. But <laughs> I know it's got something to do with Jesus. Jesus, thumbs up. Jesus motherfucking Christ. Well, I don't want to offend anyone out there, but that is the name of that film. All right. Um, this is Jezebel. Okay. Uh, Judy the Inflatable Friend. Killer Poop the Amityville Poop. Oh, it's Killer Poop 2. It is. Killer Poop 2. Sorry. Do you know the Muffin Man? Nice. Nazi werewolves from the moon. <laughs> I love the title. Of, yeah, favorite of Lexar out there. Um, I forget the name of this one. I probably shouldn't show it too long on screen. <laughs> I believe that was uh, Necro something. Let me grab the name. Now, this one here is porcelain, but the, uh, the uh, for, former one was... Can't find it. Oh, necro lesbians. Okay. Necro -lesbians, yeah. And this, you must be eighteen or older to watch us every month. Porcelain, space goblins. Which, I'm uh, looking forward to this one. Yes. When I saw like some stills and stuff. Yes, and uh, so this will be the trailer. Um, but the feature may uh, may have someone here involved as uh, oh. one of the voices. So that's very exciting. 
She Dogs of the SS. We have a couple uh, Nazi-themed movies here. Stoner Snakes. That's a new one. Yep. The Hair or Of It All. Oh. The the Rage Part 2, Infected Inside. That's a pretty cool poster, too. I know. I like that one, too. Yeah. And that is all for those. So let me... Uh, then we'll and those the, are all the trailers? Those are the trailers. Okay, so let me, uh, cool. grab the feature films. Uh, Pepe Potit wants to know, is that Pepe... Is that Buddy Christ? Oh, he also said earlier his uh, his puppy chewed my charger cables to both my pairs of headphones. That's yeah, that's a price you pay with puppies. Yes, yes. I have found that out. Uh, shout out to Taos of the Greek in here. He was uh, he was throwing out some uh, some like dad jokes earlier, but <laughs> like if you're uh, if you're uh, refrigerator is running oh nice he's got his henny youngman on does he exactly exactly right. so uh these are the feet uh the uh feature shorts that oh we'll okay we have the ground beyond oh i kind of love that poster too yeah it's a really sweet poster let me uh that's uh by jeremy aruda who's a really cool uh local uh local house nice. in boston believe it's based on the work of Stephen King and Mary Lambert. So it's kind of a, it's a sort of a, uh, it's a, it's a uh, pet cemetery uh, story. It's very cool. Oh, nice. I have seen, I've seen them. That was very good. Uh, Robot Doc. <laughs> with uh, Joe Filippone, who is a former guest on the show. And it is by Matthew Mark Hunter, also a former guest on the show. Nice. I keep losing my thing here. Um, Ghost Hotel. Oh. Also by Matthew. Tales to Chill the Bone. I have, I do have a description of this one. Okay. Uh, Tales to Chill the Bone is an anthology short film with stories of a pumpkin lord, a child killer, an insane clown, a makeup artist like no other, and a story to put your mind to the test. That's a lot crammed into a short there. Yeah, you don't see a short film that's also an anthology. Right? No. That's mm. uh, interesting. Lydia's Fall. A teen girl hosts a haunt for the locals in her town on Halloween night. I like directed, the setup. Yes, directed by Hope uh, Mubauer. Death by a Thousand Cuts by Sam Salerno, who's a... Uh, Fairly well-known uh, indie uh, director. After seeing a young woman kidnapped and taken to a house, a popular horror video blogger decides to go into the house, armed with only his camera, to see what he can find. Then Probably the not a good idea. Oh, no. So, Troy, if you ever want to do this, uh, I don't think this is a good idea. Okay. Good plan. That should not be the next episode of With I'll be there not to do that with you, then. All right. Uh, wormhole, also by Sam. A uh, woman calls a man and asks him to keep her company. Manifestations of their worst fears come through the walls to attack them. Nice. I like it. 
I like it. This is Channel. Uh, when a has-been rocker comes home after a bender, things get bent. Ooh, okay. That's, uh, that has me intrigued. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Rage. Now we'll be showing the the um, trailer for the Rage Two, but then we're going to actually be showing the uh, the actual short for the Rage. Oh wow! This is not a drill. A bioscientist tries to escape an infected lab and save his girlfriend by Joshua Cleese. I dig the look of that uh, poster yeah. too. That, that one's, one's pretty played. effective. Yeah, and it's played a ton of festivals. It got bloody. Uh, by Juan Antonio Rotano, who I saw at um, Renegade Film Festival in uh, Ohio. Oh, okay. And it was very cool. He he recognized me from Severed Limbs. Usually oh, no kidding. From the podcast. Oh, that's pretty sweet. I like that. A girl is being hanged by a guy in the middle of a room. If she manages to escape, maybe he will know the reason why he tries to murder her. With huh. such hatred, wow, does not sound very, uh, very fun-loving. No, no, it does not. This is uh, baby shifter. Being a babysitter can be killer. Nice. Kyle Kenner's the Petersburg Prowler has come upon his latest victim, another babysitter, to help satisfy his bloodlust. But all this seems little too easy when he's able to find out he's not o not the only one that goes bump in the night. Ooh, okay. I'm definitely intrigued by that one. Yeah, by MJ Dixon. The killer sponge. <laughs> An old dried up sponge finds a new lease on life when it gets a taste for blood. All right, I dig it. And that's by David Zagorski. Camp Butcher. Ooh. Uh, camp Butcher is a 15-minute horror comedy about a group of friends who go on a camping trip in the countryside to catch up and reminisce about their time in a band. However, the trip takes a terrifying turn when they become the target of a cannibal father and son duo who are hunting them down. Set in the woodlands, this campy film delivers a blend of horror and humor as a friend's fight for survival against their gruesome attackers. You have me a cannibal father and son. Exactly. I'm, I'm down with this one. That's by Damien Fear and Joe Cash. Very nice poster, too. Carnal Monsters. Music video for the upcoming film Carnal Monsters. Eating fucking glass by the van <laughs> Iron Tooth. I dig it. Yeah. Uh, I like this poster too. This is Ooh, I my like house. That. Yeah, that's that's pretty eerie looking. I like it. An experimental horror film about what lurks inside an empty, dimly lit house. Hmm. By Connor Morley. Not Ferratu. Hmm. A vampire just trying to get in a good night's sleep is rudely <laughs> awakened by the vampires playing Van Smelling things. All right, I'm down with it. I like it. I like it. Uh, a note from a haunted piano. Piano by um, Andrew Buckner. Hmm. Run, Dracula, run! <laughs> by Mess by Bess Williams. 
Okay. I like the poster. I do too. I dig it. Uh, Don't touch. This is also by Best Williams. A shapeless dystopian parable by Andrew Buckter. Okay. The disorganized thoughts of a misdirected genius hellbent on fixing the world from his mother's basement. Now, Just the are... look on that guy's face, I'm down with. Yes, yes. And if we were going to give awards just for titles, I think that would Oh, yeah. <laughs> that would stuff to beat. Yeah. That's or with facial opinion. expressions. Yes. It's, uh, it's uh, if they wanted to do a fan film of uh, the reanimator. Yes, that's the man. Place, man. Yep. The Killer Granny Ooh. Doll. I like it. By the return of Severed Limb's favorite, Nicholas Hack. Been, he's been absent for a while. He's back. Yep. Good to see him back. And he's also coming back with cold oh, nice. out here. <laughs> he it does look pretty cold. I don't it think there, uh, there's truth in advertising. I agree. Cam Girl Killer. Another cool poster. Yeah, I dig it. Be careful who you meet online by Eric Poe, who Troy and I met at mad monster he was in he's in the scene with uh with me in the balsamba movie oh okay yep yep nice uh mrs holloway in a small suburban community mrs betty holloway is everyone's favorite neighbor she comes off as the nicest elderly widow you'd ever meet someone who's always kind and caring loves baking and winning big prizes however her kind demeanor is nothing but a facade. Beneath her pleasant surface lies a dark entity full of hatred, greed, and jealousy. Oh. And at this year's pie-baking contest, Mrs. Holloway must do what she can in order to win first place and bake a pie that's to die for. Her pie is to die for. Her secret ingredient is... Murder. Oh, yeah, that's by Connor Morley. All right, oh, I'm looking right forward up. to that one too. Yeah, great description. Yeah, this is uh, I don't know, this is insufficient by uh, Andrew Buckner. Okay, sorry, Mr. Buckner, but gotta do a little better on the poster, my man. Um, and again, and again, and again. Opening right amidst the action, a knife-wielding maniac pursues his terrified victim home. Bloodshed ensues, but things are far from what they appear to be. Mm. Like Kalen Jordanson. So those are those are the official lineups for seven. I'm liking it. <laughs> As usual, like it's a good mix of like different things some of them look really spooky and yeah. some of them look pretty like enjoyable and and you know kind of easy going, going. and some of them yeah some of them have three dots in a glass exactly so i don't know what the hell's happening exactly it's a weird time out there so uh some people send in some questions here in the group. by the All way right. if you uh would like to send in a question uh send that in the in the chat if you would like to video in let me know and i'll send you a link all right uh pull these up pepe potite um thoughts on the meg 2 
Now, the first Meg I was looking forward to was very rotten. Was it? Yeah. Did you ever see it? No, no, no. It's not a good movie. But I will say the poster for the Meg 2 is very cool. Yeah, I mean, the poster for the first one was cool, too. Yeah, but what does that mean? It just means you have a cool poster and you might trick me into watching it. Yep, yep. Yeah, I probably won't be watching the Meg 2. I didn't watch a Meg 1. My dog's name is Meg, though. Oh, really? Well, the 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 uh, that's weird to say that because the um, the the poster is a little puppy sitting on a sitting on a dock, and the Meg's like coming up to eat it. Oh man! So I I think that even though I think it's cool, I think it, it might be off putting for some uh, some folks. Oh yeah, that one I'm I'm not sure. Yeah, because that's one of the things like. That people aren't into or the uh, the animal stuff. Yep. You know, even uh, Crazy Towsler here in the chat, he doesn't want to see that. <laughs> no. He might be down with killing everybody else, but not yeah. the not the critters. Yeah. Oh yeah, you're that right. Is a cool ah, that is a neat poster, though. You're yeah. right. That poor little puppy. Yeah. I don't know what this was in reference to. Is that my colon doctor? The shark? The top, yeah, I guess. I don't know. Uh, what's what's the what's what's Tazo's colon doctor doing? Biting his ass. Uh the last voyage of uh, how do you say that the Demeter? Oh that yeah, I think the good. Demeter. That looks great. Yeah. Yeah. That one people, I'm so looking forward to. People not aware it's a Dracula movie. And he's one spooky ass looking Dracula too. He's he's more of that Nosferatu looking Dracula. Going yeah, on. yeah. And it's just that one, uh, as it says, the one chapter. So it's uh, has how Dracula gets to the states. Um, um, well, to England, right? Isn't that where he's? Doesn't he go to England? Oh, I thought. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's how he. Yeah. I think in some versions how he gets here, but yeah. Oh, could be. Um, got some former guests. It's got um a former guest on the show. Javier Bodim. Oh, Javier oh. Botet actually uh, plays Dracula. Oh, that's awesome. That former that's why he's got that show. eerie eerie look. That's that's excellent. Yeah. He's probably too big now to come back home, but maybe he's down the line. <laughs> we we'll get him back home. And uh, David, I don't know how you say his name. David Dasmalchian. He's a uh, he's in a lot of stuff lately. And who is he? He was Polka Dot Man in. Um, oh yeah, Side okay. Squad, which I thought was great. Yep, I, I didn't know. Uh, I didn't know he was in that. I didn't see him in the in the trailers. Because yeah. I know the the one guy um, plays the Onion Knight. In Game of Thrones, he's the captain on the ship. Liam Cunningham, yeah. Davos. Yeah, that's cool because he's um. I believe this guy's also in uh, the Boogeyman coming out. Oh. He's in Dune. He's in all kinds of stuff. He's in Boston Strangler. Oh, did you did you watch a trailer for Dune Part Two? It looks very good. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the original. Oh, that's right. You didn't like the first one. I loved it. 
Since I uh, on the first egg. Oh, interesting. But they put it in the post. Oh. Um, anyone who abuses animals is evil. We agree with that. Davos, where the elite meet to plan the next note, brother. Aboard the Demeter. Yes, exactly. So, uh, did you see anything cool this week? Uh, let me see. Um... We saw, uh, saw uh, well, you and I saw the um, Guardians of the Galaxy Part 3. Yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy 3, great movie. Um, oh, I can't tell you how much I loved it. I can't wait to see it again. Yeah, you know, and I, I'm not uh, always big on all these, but um, I thought that was just uh, fantastic. It might be yeah. my favorite MCU movie. It's, yeah, it's there, one yeah. of my favorite comic book movies I've ever seen. I just yeah, loved I it. I agree. And it was so fast paced, you know, and bunch of bunch of, you know, uh really tear jerk moments and bunch of great funny moments and a lot of action. Just got everything in it. Everything you want in in a good comic book movie. Yes. Yeah. So uh the once in future smash has been accepted to Gen Con. Awesome. Cool. So it's a big uh gaming convention people who don't know and it's uh i didn't actually know they had a film festival so that that'll be great. i didn't either do they own. still do like all the um like rpg stuff and yeah, everything yeah. there okay yeah, all kinds of role-playing games and board games and card games and like you can play test games and... so i think they used to have like a giant 20-sided die it's like they're their symbol. I don't know if they still yeah, do. Yeah, I think that's not. on the on the shirt. I was thinking, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Rose McGowan is going to uh, be at um, Mad Monster uh, Charlotte coming up. That's pretty cool. Nice. I don't think she's really done too many uh, festivals. <coughs> no, I don't think so either. Mad Monster uh, Arizona is coming up in uh, in uh, July. So if you want to go, if you, you're not hot enough wherever you are and you want to get even hotter, you go to, to Arizona in July. <laughs> but, Probably um, a little little toasty. Yeah, tons of very cool guests that one. Oh, I um, bet. This was very cool, Troy. Uh, Clint Howard has uh, said he's he uh, he's making Ice Cream Man. <sighs> I'm down with that. Yeah. Who does if how can you not love Clint Howard? Yep. Love Clint Howard and I love the ice cream man. So that's you know a sequel yeah. to that just sounds awesome. I I'm gonna have to go back and rewatch the first one though, because I thought he died at the end, but maybe I'm wrong. He probably does, but does the ice cream man ever really die? He shouldn't. He should not ever die. I agree. You can't kill a good ice cream man. That's it. That was uh, another good um Tales from the Crypt, the one with the ice oh, cream yeah. man, where his uh, Siamese twin dies. Yeah, and they're connected back to back. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great one. Underrated. So uh, coming up next week here, we're going to have um, sculptor and filmmaker Brian Moore. He's going to be talking about he's making a new HP Lovecraft film. That'll Looking be cool. forward to that. 
And we will also have Victor Bonacore, director, and the iconic Linda Quigley <coughs> from their uh, new Grindhouse film, Thrust. Nice. Very cool. Yep, looking forward well, to that, we'll too. probably have some other uh, some uh, other cast members on the show from that. Good times coming up. Yeah, Tonight was that, a good time. Definitely yeah, enjoyed definitely. all of our guests. A lot of fun. Yeah. Way cool seeing the um, the stuff coming up this weekend for the yep. the 13th Severed, Severed Limbs. Yeah, wow. So next one will be the 14th, but we're not worried about that right now. We're worried about Severed Limbs the 13th <laughs> Saturday. It's only two days from now. Really, almost not even two days. A day and a half from now. Come on out. Watch it with us. There'll be a live chat room that really adds to the thing. You sit back. You five, six hours. Sit down. Watch a bunch of short films. Interact with everybody. We've got a bunch of cool judges. We've got uh, Tara Hutchison, one of our judges. The Headless Critic. Diablo Joe. Ty Chayman. Larry from... Uh, from New Village Video. Oh, okay. Very cool, man. Yep. So it's uh, very good. And, of course, our celebrity judge who will be judging the effects and the favorite creature, Joe Castro. Too cool. I mean, like, this is the all-star panel of judges. I'm liking yeah. this. Uh, Pepe Petit, my favorite scene is when the is when the guy's head is in that waffle cone. <laughs> oh, yeah. I agree. It's pretty sweet. Yep. And uh, I do want to show this too. This is this. This is so cool. I love these anyway. I've been buying them. I think I'm behind a couple. But uh, the invisible oh. man. Oh, my Lord. Oh. I may have to get one of those for myself too. I've got the Frankenstein one over here. I've got the Wolfman up here, and I've got the Mummy over here. Nice. I believe Dracula is out, and a and a Bride is coming out. So I have to get those. But I believe Dracula one is out, so I have to I get a get my hands on that one. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, of course, I have to get this one. I'll get them all. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, and when he feeds that cop, that's a good one too. And when he feeds the cop the inside <laughs> of an eyeball. It will try to get uh, him back on. He was on the show before. It was really fun. Yep. And he told us we could call anytime. He had some crazy uh, cell phone. Oh, uh, my God. I loved that. I had forgotten about that. Yeah. Yep. All right. So we're going to uh, we'll play us out with uh, music of the month. Sorrow Sea. And we'll be back next week. What do you think, Mr. Jones? We'll be back Saturday for seven. Months. Oh, that's right. Hook it, uh, come check it out. Severed limbs, always a great time. Have a, always have a ton of fun at those. Um, and this one, did you say you could watch on both on? Yeah, I'm thinking Facebook I'm, I'm going and... to try to do it uh, both Facebook and YouTube if I can work awesome. that up. But that is the working plan. Okay, all right, very good. I know some people are anti Facebook, some people are anti YouTube. If I think the more eyes that can be on it, the better. That's a win-win, I think. Yep, yep. And then if you have later, a grudge against one, watch the other one. Exactly. And then later in the week, I will uh, will present the award. Nice. Maybe we'll do Excellent. it live on the show next week. I don't know. Oh, that would be fun. Yeah, we could definitely do that. All right. All right, Nasty One. We will see you Saturday. Yes. All right, Terrible One. 
Tomorrow, I gotta remember this is not uh, horror related, but tomorrow <laughs> I'll have to. I'll try to get our tickets for uh, AEW because they're going. Oh to yeah, 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 yeah. Always yeah. looking forward to that. Good night, Good night everybody. everybody.